This episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, my name is Tracy James and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are well off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs and talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Brendan Kreitz is here to talk about some awesome classic sci-fi with Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Welcome. Uh, g'day. How's it going? Um, I'm so happy you're here. Um, our listeners will notice that you have an accent because you're my first international guest. Oh, well, I hope that your listeners are able to deal with my very broad Australian accent. Um, I know that sometimes in Canada it can be a little difficult to understand, but um, I'm actually sometimes surprised because I don't think that I have an accent, but um, I've had a few experiences in Canada where people really couldn't understand me. So um, all the best, everyone. Otherwise, it'll just be Tracy and a noise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's true. Uh, like, I, that reminds me of the time um, my cousins were here from England and her son, I took him out to go to like the mall or something of like that when, you know, in the normal times. Um, and he's walking around and he was just like, everybody has such a weird accent. I'm like, you're in Canada. You're the one with the accent. And it like blew his mind. He's like, oh, I never thought about it that way. That's crazy. It was pretty funny. But yeah. Especially because there are so many accents in the UK too. Like there's not even just like one. It's it's a lot. So it's, yeah, it's true. It's really, really true. And um, so one of the reasons, the funny thing you brought up your accent too, is because the reason I know you is that we met each other while we were both in Japan. Um, and I don't know why, like I knew you were Australian, you had an accent to my ear, that's fine. I guess we all had weird accents to Japanese people, sure. Um, but um, when I was there, I don't know if my hearing was more attuned because it was in a foreign land or something, but you never sounded that Australian, right? Yeah, and- <laughs> do I now or? Yeah, oh yeah. To me okay, now, okay, you okay, sound like okay, yeah. super Australian. Like I can understand you just fine, but you're like, oh, his, he's got a strong accent is all I can think. <laughs> I, I remember because um, my housemates were Welsh. Um, and so when I first got there, I was like, oh, their accent's pretty easy to understand. Um, but when they talked to their mates, I could not understand them. Their, their accents just all of a sudden came back with like a vengeance. And I think maybe it was the same for me. I'd been there a little while by the time you got there. And we were teaching, uh, teaching English. I remember the first lesson I ever went into and like students that speak really good English. And I said, hey, everyone, uh, how are you doing today? And they all just stared at me. And I was like, oh, like, hey, guys, like, how are you doing today? And one person just looks at me and they go, ta-da. And obviously that's what I sounded like to them. Um, so I think by the time you got there, maybe I'd curbed my, my accent a little bit. <laughs> That's a, I don't know why that, I think that is so funny. Like, <laughs> what? I yeah. don't even think like, and I'm from like, so I'm from Tasmania, which is, we have, I think some of the milder Australian accents. Like if you go up to Queensland, that's where you get the Steve Irwin kind of, kind of accent. And um, I don't, I don't think I have that. Like, obviously I have an accent, but I, I, I'm not yelling Craigie and um, I very rarely jump on crocodiles. <laughs> Do you play knifey spoony over there? I have only, so I, this makes me sound super dorky. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons as a kid. Oh, because no. Because it was like big controversy in Australia when it first came out. 
And um, for whatever reason, my parents latched onto that, even though I watched, I would argue, far worse things. So I do know what Knifey Spitty is, but only because other people have told me about it. I've never actually seen that episode of The Simpsons. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> See, yeah, I, think, I think it would be kind of amazing to watch, like, like you even just to watch that one episode completely out of context of the time period because yeah, I've like i've seen clips and things yeah and i know ah uh, the money i can't think what the money in it has like a special name I can't, is it like yeah. yeah i can't remember but yeah uh, I, I we do a brendan reacts to australian series that would kind of be amazing to look at because to me that episode is hilarious but i wonder if two australians that episode is like just flat out offensive you know like there's a like there's a foster's joke and there's you know the knifey spoony thing there's kicking people in the butt there's the your president's just like you know it naked in a lake down the street there's like there's all of these horrible kind of things that just make i think mostly we like that sort of stuff like we kind of like to play up to it like again the steve Irwin, the crocodile dundee stuff like most of us are nothing like that but we we kind of like that people think that we are i think a little bit and i think we kind of enjoy it takes a fair bit to offend most of us, and um, and I, I think that probably for the most part we just think it's funny. Like we really enjoy that stuff. I remember there was a South Park episode with like a Steve Irwin type character, and he was jumping around putting his thumb up crocodiles' buttholes. That was the <laughs> whole joke over and over again. And like I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think Steve Irwin did that, but it was still funny. It was just well, that's the thing with South Park. They get um, as flat out offensive as they're allowed to put on television um, yeah. and whoever gets mad sucks to be them whoever laughs yay you know it's yeah. that kind of thing so South Park surprisingly gets away with everything because people know their whole point is to offend but but yeah, yeah that's just weird a little, a little bit backwards here as well like and, and again I think we're, we're, we're okay with admitting that like we're not um, not by any, uh, what's the way to put it? We're, we're not going out of our way to offend people, but Australian comedians and things like that often maybe offend people because our, our sense of humor is maybe 10 years early, like <laughs> behind you guys. Um, and, and we're not quite as evolved sometimes as, as other parts of the world. Uh, but like, again, I think we're okay with admitting that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it because you guys are trapped on an island? I think so. Yeah, we, um, we, me and Sally have been watching uh, Australian TV show from the '90s, and I think it kind of looks like uh, American TV show from the '80s. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's very similar. Nice. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm so curious as to what, what is the name of the show? A uh, Heartbreak High. It's on Netflix. You oh go, god. Oh yeah. god. I got, okay. I gotta look that one up. Heartbreak yeah, High. It is. It's very. It's something. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it's so funny. Like when you go back and look at like old shows you used to watch and you used to like, or and, and things like that, and then and then you look at it again with like your adult eyes, quote unquote, and you're just like, "That's offensive." What is that guy wearing? What is going on with this storyline? This is weird. Why is this so depressing? Like these are the things that go through my mind all the time. Yeah, heartbreak. I guess the closest thing. So you guys have Degrassi. Uh, mm-hmm. So we had Degrassi as well. 
Um, but Heartbreak High is very sort of Australia's version of that. So oh. it was be a bit cutting edge, um, but it's quite quaint with today's eyes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the thing with Degrassi. Like, even if you go back and look at episodes of Degrassi, you're just like, yeah, it's a little bit progressive and stuff. But compared to what's on TV right now, this is just nothing. This is exactly. that's butter yeah. on toast. What are you talking about? Uh, but I think that's a that's with a lot of things. Like I think most things, when you look back on it now, you're just like, you're like, really? This was offensive. Why was this offensive? But you also couldn't get away with things before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Ghostbusters. Yes. <laughs> Segway. Um... <laughs> One of the things I was allowed to watch, while not being allowed to watch The Simpsons, I might add, uh, was Ghostbusters. So. Uh, Ghostbusters. I like. I was watching it, and it's aged kind of okay. Except the more I look at it, the more I realize like what an asshole Venkman is. Like not in just like a like a funny funny way, but I'm just like, no, you're just a dick. So but... something that I thought of like. And this is the first time. So I watched this movie a lot. Like I've seen this movie so many times. And I, but I hadn't watched it for maybe a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I watched it yesterday and it really came across to me like he's kind of a creep. Like, like, like the way he acts towards Dana, I hadn't really noticed quite how creepy he was until this one. And he, and he kind of pulls it off because he's also sort of charming. But, it, but he, he's big, a bit creepy. Uh, I think it's in, it, I might be jumping ahead a little bit. I think it's actually in the second movie. But there's a, oh, no, it's, it's the first movie. So she's coming out of the orchestra with the, the guy with nasal problems. And they're like coming out. And he's just there. Like he's just arrived at her work uh, without announcing anything. And she walks out. So the first thing she sees is him kind of doing this weird jump. So he's doing this like weird jump down the street. And, and he's just there at her work. Like, that wouldn't be okay. It, no, that would not be okay. We have a professional agreement. You showing up at my work is not acceptable. No. Yeah. If my exterminator, like, turned up at my work, and the first thing I do is I open the door, you see him kind of doing a playful hop down the street, I'm, I'm getting a new exterminator. I'm not... <laughs> Sorry that, actually, that actually kind of reminded me of the cable guy, you know, like the Jim Carrey movie. Um, yeah. Because I'm like, it's that same level of intensity, uh, but, you know, like you're saying, a little bit more charming, not so, mm. like, you know, creepy and excessive. Actually, no, it is kind of excessive still. not Just not so creepy. It's- With a different actor, it would be so creepy. Oh, like, yeah. oh, like, he pulls it off. And I think there is that, it was a different time and there's that aspect as well, but a different actor would have um, played it differently and I think it would have been pretty creepy. But um, I still really like him, but it, it just, I hadn't ever noticed that aspect of his character before, I suppose. Like the constantly trying to chatter up, like like nonstop, the, the whole movie, that's all he's doing. Yeah, from the moment he meets her, he is just inappropriate. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's what I kept every time he did anything. I was like, "That's inappropriate. That's inappropriate. What are you? That's inappropriate." Like that's all that kept going through my head. Even though at the same time I was laughing, I was just like, "That's just wrong." I don't. Well, the, the first time we meet him is is the experiment scene with the the guy chewing his gum with the big hair and the mm-hmm. uh, blonde girl. Yeah, and basically he's like 
he's cheating the experiment to to chat up this girl while also kind of humiliating this this other guy and it is funny but again like i think again it's maybe our modern sensitivities he's like a teacher or like he works at like the university and um and she's like a young girl and basically he's trying to convince her that she's psychic so that probably they can sleep together like that's his that's his yeah his whole uh, one of my notes is venkman flirting with the co-ed has aged horribly it's really <laughs> gross that's my yeah. note on that whole sequence and, it's, and, and it's, it's still funny though like it's still a funny it's a funny sequence but you need to remember it for the time i think that it was in versus like if that was in a new movie it wouldn't be funny like it would be yeah. Yeah, like that's that's in bad taste. Like that's not acceptable. You know, like she's reporting him to like the head of faculty or something. Maybe that's the real reason why they got fired and lost their funding. It had nothing to do with <laughs> them not believing in ghosts or whatever. It was just like you've harassed enough coeds. Get out. Like that was. They make it pretty clear he was a bad. Like he was bad at his job. Like when they're firing him, they're in no uncertain terms. They're telling him like you were really terrible. Like you haven't done anything since you've mm-hmm. been here. I think I realized that before. Like, I, I knew it, I suppose, but I paid maybe more attention because I knew we would be talking about it. And I was like, wow, he's like, he doesn't have a lot going on. Like, he's, yeah. Yeah, I think this is one thing I love and I hate about doing this podcast is that uh, because I want to take notes and, you know, see all of the like the nuances within film and what certain scenes add to, you know, like the storytelling of the and or character building of the, the overall story. Uh, so I sit there and then I start pulling out scenes like this where before I didn't pay enough attention to it. So it's just like, oh, it's just being funny. It's charming, whatever. But now everything seems slightly creepy and slightly wrong. And you're just like that is just horrible. Like I've seen there thinking like who sat and wrote this and thought that would be a funny thing. What's their mentality to think that it's okay for him to hit that hard on, on a co-ed in the first place. Right. And I know it was written by, I think it was written by Dan Aykroyd and um, uh, Harold Ramis. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that they didn't give themselves that character. They're just like, no, nah, that has to be somebody else who's got to do it. I don't know what that whole dynamic has to do with anything, but it was very confusing. I just want to say it was very confusing to me. Yeah. I, I, I and maybe that is part of the, we were talking about like Bill Murray can pull it off. Maybe those other guys weren't actually convinced that they could pull that off in a way that would be funny and not just super creepy. Like, um, and again, you see a little bit of that though with um, Egon in the second one. He is kind of the hot science guy. Like when they're doing the experiment on the kid with the uh, with the puppy and stuff, mm-hmm. and like all of the other, all of his staff are kind of like looking at him, and I don't know that he just he, like everyone just seems to really like him, and he does, he seems a lot more charming. Whereas he's more kind of a weirdo in the in the first movie. Yeah, I think but- it's I think in the first movie because they only show him interacting with um, the two like Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Those are the only people he interacts with, right? And so really? he is just full on like weird. 
and I have no social graces in any way, shape, or form. And by the second movie, it's been five years. He's been thrust in the spotlight. He's been given a grant to do some kind of um, scientific work, and that's what he's doing. And um, I think the people around him are more, quote-unquote, normal or average but they also look up to him in great esteem and that's given him like a certain level of confidence and he's that's why yeah at the beginning of this he's the most successful i maybe we'll talk more about two uh, as we go but certainly when we come back to two he seems like the one that's had some success following ghostbusters whereas the other guys maybe not so much not certainly not in the same way not definitely not in the same way i mean Bill Murray, he's um, he's a, a host of a TV show that people make fun of. And then the other two are just like, we can't give this up. We're Ghostbusters. Let's do kids' birthday parties. And I was just like, I was sitting there watching that. I'm like, isn't that like the sham wow guy all of a sudden, you know, doing birthday parties? Like, that's just weird, right? And, and so, yeah, yeah. And it's cool. It's because the, the scene with Ivan Reitman's son, um, kind of telling them that they're full of shit. Like, I think that's pretty cool. And then now he's directing the new Ghostbusters movie, yeah. um, which which is really cool. But that, that also that scene, um, have you seen the animated Ninja Turtles movie from like a, uh, like a few years ago now? Yeah, TMNT. Uh, yeah, from like 2010 or something. Yeah, so Michelangelo has the exact same thing, I realized as I was watching Ghostbusters 2. So he does birthday parties and he's got like the big head Um like a big fake Ninja Turtle head over his actual Ninja Turtle head. But it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. Like the, the turtles are broken up and he's gone to, to doing birthday parties. It's, it's a very similar scene to Ghostbusters 2. I hadn't clicked on it until, when, again, when I was rewatching them. Really? Oh, well, I have to admit, like that TMNT movie, I've only seen it once. And I remember watching it thinking to myself, that's actually a really good movie. And then... Yeah, but it did really bad in like the theater and stuff and they've never really had it on tv very often it's kind of not easy to find places and i, like I remember yeah. very little about the story to be no, honest no it didn't have a lot of like especially with turtles which is like a big thing it didn't have a lot of cultural significance like mm. that movie just kind of came out and then it, it immediately left um yeah. even though like much better than say the third movie was but it was uh <laughs> but yeah it, for whatever reason it didn't catch on maybe it was a bit too early um to bring bring them back kind of thing but yeah agreed agreed but or maybe it was just didn't have the right sort of advertising for it because i find that happens sometimes where you know there's there's money to make the film but there's no money to advertise the film and then so the film comes out you see like a couple of posters here and there you see a trailer and that's it and then you hear nothing else about the movie and nobody watches it because they're just like i don't know anything about it so and eh, i'll wait for it to come on tv and then because it flops so hard it's not on tv that much either so still nobody watches it and then you just have to wait for the momentum to build up around it and then it comes back the movies came out at like the same time whether it was kind of overshadowed by something else i don't know it could have been that too i haven't watched it for a long time either Mm -hmm. i just really remember because because at the start of that movie the ninja turtles are also broken up and that that michelangelo has a job um working for some sort of party company or Mm. pizza company i'm not really sure but he does kids birthday parties and he he's basically it's the same 
same thing as uh, Ghostbusters 2. So I guess that's what you do if your team of four heroes breaks up. One of you, at least, needs to go do birthday parties. Yes, somebody has to do a birthday party or else what's the point, right? And it's a horrible, uh, horrible job. So I actually did birthday parties. At, uh, so we have a chain here called Hungry Jack's, but it's like Burger King for you guys. Okay. Um, and I did the birthday parties there for a while and it is a horrible job. It's not, it's much worse than working at a uh, fast food shop. Um, it pays a little bit better, but it's, it's not fun. <laughs> so, so what do you mean you did the birthday parties? Like, did you have to dress up in a suit or did you just like walk over and sing happy birthday? A cloud or a pirate most, most often a cloud or a pirate. And, um, so kids would come. So I guess it's a thing at Burger King there. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, there's like a birthday party room and uh, kids come. And uh, so we have that at lots of church. So McDonald's and stuff have it here as well. Uh, it's like a birthday party room. It's, a, I think, a fairly affordable birthday party experience for parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and what usually happens is there's supposed to be parents there, but they all just drop off their kids and leave. So you're like this. So I think I was maybe like 19 or 20 uh, when I was doing it. And all of a sudden, 30 kids get turned up. And oftentimes, a lot of the parents disappear. Uh, You have very little support from the rest of the um, chain that you work for. Uh, In in fact, they kind of seem to hate that you exist because you cause like a lot of mess and a lot of work, uh, like just preparing the food and stuff for kids. Uh, One time they ran out of like, the party bags that they give out. So they went to the local <laughs> market and bought party bags and they bought horns that make a noise. So like these horns that kids were blowing. Um, and we actually got complaints from the drive through of how loud the birthday party was as people walked past. I was like, you give kids horns, you can't take them back now. Like this, this is, this is what you get. I only did it for maybe, I think about three months um, and had a really bad birthday party experience where I turned up and like, there was no cake and there was like, None of the things that were supposed to be ready to do the birthday party were there. Um, uh, and basically at the end of the shift, I just left. Um, and actually, I don't think I charged the people for the birthday party because it was so bad. Like, it was really bad. And that was, like, the one thing that I had to use the register for was to, like, charge them. And I'm pretty sure I was like, that was really bad, guys. You could just go. And then I, and then I got my bag and I left and I never returned. <laughs> it was- it was a really horrible job. So I, I, I feel for the Ghostbusters at, um, at the beginning of two when, that, when they were doing the birthday party. It's <laughs> a thankless job. <laughs> yeah, your PTSD kicks in and you're, you're like, yeah. you just have flashbacks. You're like, no, not again. <laughs> yes, very bad, very bad job. <laughs> um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm trying try to think of something positive to say about it. I think it's good that there's a, a low price birthday party option out there for parents. That's good. Uh, but that's probably as positive as I could get about it. I mean, did the kids have fun maybe torturing you? Oh, yeah. I think the kids had a lot of fun. Uh, like, they have a good playground and stuff. At the uh, So mostly they just ran around in there screaming. And I tried to wrangle them into some sort of a game uh, and, and make sure they ate food before they went home. That was basically my job. Uh, it was just like a babysitter at a fast food place. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, that does sound like torture. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you survived uh, your short-lived experience. <laughs> and now you could right. say, like, I have something in common with Ghostbusters, so you're cool. I do. I had, and again, this hadn't really clicked until actually 
I'd sort of maybe blocked this part of my life out until we started talking about running birthday parties. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did that for a while. Yeah, no. <laughs> See, these movies, they bring things back. They bring things out of you. It's, it's good. They do. Yeah. Uh, while I was watching the, the first movie, too, I didn't realize that Stay Puff Marshmallows have other appearances within the film. And then, I knew there was one, but there's more. Like when I was watching more. it, I realized how many, there were a lot more than I thought, too. Yeah. Uh, I knew the bag on the counter uh, when they, I think they go to look, the, look at her fridge after they've seen the, the well, ghost in it. Yeah, so so that's the thing. I had never realized, like, I remembered her pulling out the eggs and pulling out, like, bread, but I didn't remember she pulled out marshmallows out of her bag and it was, like, stay puffed, you know? Yeah. And during her whole paranormal experience, it's just on the counter and you can see it. And then when they yeah. go back, it's also there as well. And I was just like, hey, the, the marshmallows make a, oh, that's, like, foreshadowing for later. That's amazing. Or just really good endorsements, whichever. Do you see the billboard as well? There was a billboard? Yeah, it's like a Stay Puft billboard. Um, It's old. It's like really old and kind of worn out looking. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd never, ever noticed it before. I've seen this movie so many times. And um, I'd never, ever noticed it until this time around. So there's like a Stay Puft billboard. Yeah, Um, see, they were like dropping hints throughout. My God. Yeah, so I was... It's pretty cool because I guess I thought that Stay Puft, as a kid, I think I thought that Stay Puft was like a brand, like an actual brand. I mm-hmm. don't think I realized that it was made up. I just assumed it was like, and, and and maybe this isn't so much of a thing in Canada, but like in Australia, you'll often watch movies that have brands that don't exist here. So like you watch E.T. and he's got the Reese's pieces. Um, that We don't have that. We don't have Reese's pieces here. So... Mm-hmm. I just thought they were like, I just assumed that that's a brand that we don't have in Australia. Um, so, but yeah, we get that a lot with movies. So it turns out it's just made up. Stay Puft marshmallows were made up. Yeah, I think so. I guess for the movie, as far as I know, Interesting. they have them every now and again. Yeah, they do because that's, that's the thing. That's why I'm confused that they're like fake because for uh, a couple years ago, I had a secret Santa with a friend who I knew was obsessed with with ghostbusters right he always he's he's really into animation and he always used to talk about like ghostbusters compared to the real ghostbusters plus the show and he loved bankman and all this kind of stuff right and so what i did for our secret santa was i was at like fan expo or something or or a comic book convention and they had a stall that was selling um uh, pop figures and stay puffed marshmallows and i bought him like a figure and the marshmallows to go along with it and he was like "Ah," you know and i've always like said to myself i'm like oh shit i should have bought some marshmallows for myself too and i never did but whatever it's fine but i had a bag and so here they came out um with the release of the the more recent ghostbusters movie like Mm -hmm. so the, the remake one um and they came out for that but they looked just like like they weren't based on the remake; they were based on the, clearly based on the original films. Mm-hmm. But they came out when the remake came out, and I had a bag in my like Ghostbusters collection for probably it must have been like two years, and then I was like, these are not going to last much longer. Um, and I started to like think about what a bag of marshmallows sitting next to all like my toys and things might look like in another year. So yeah. I ended up eating them. Um, 
But but yeah, they definitely had them. But I think they're more of a promotional promotional item. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Um, yeah, I never, I never thought about. It. I just, I just always assumed they were a brand of marshmallows that was real, and they got like paid to throw it in there. Like I just didn't really ever think about it. Um, and then when I found it and bought some, I was like, oh, see, they are real. I just thought they were like American, and we didn't get them in Canada, just same way you did. Um, and I never really thought about it, but yeah, they were just made up for the movie. All right. There, there were a lot of, um, and. So I, I again I assume this is the same everywhere. Like I think Ghostbusters was, was a pretty big movie when it came out, but there were so many promotional items here when that movie first came out. Like um, we had things, so it was like Ghost in a can. It was like a Coke promotion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have that? Or maybe not that I remember. I, I was, and I mean, I was hugely into the, especially when this movie came out. I'll, um, but there was the. Yeah, promotional cans, and they were called uh, Ghost in a Can, basically. It was Coke, mm-hmm. and apparently when you opened the can, a ghost could come out of the can. It was just it was just a can of Coke, but I was super excited for it when I was a kid. And, like, there was a Wait, kind of pop. So, sorry, when did Ghostbusters come out in Australia? So I think I'm thinking when I think about this, this might have been Ghostbusters 2 stuff, oh, or okay. it could have been the video release um, of, of Ghostbusters. So, uh, I'm not sure what it's like there, but we we would get movies uh, like nowadays we get them at the same time, but in the past we got them a fair bit later than mm-hmm. um, than uh, North America, and I'm not sure exactly when it came out here. Uh, I don't remember it coming out at the cinema because I would have been too young, but mm-hmm. I do remember. So so one of my main memories of Ghostbusters, and I don't know if it was I was already watching real Ghostbusters the cartoon or mm-hmm. whether this came first they they feel like they were the same time in my brain but uh the video the tv release of ghostbusters was like a big deal so it was going to be like shown on tv for the first time uh, like you've got to i don't know again what things were like in canada this time we had like four channels here there were like four tv channels in, in australia at this point in sort of the probably late 80s i guess uh and ghostbusters was going to be on and it was a big deal and it was on too late for me to stay up and watch it because i was like four um three three or four years old and like super into ghostbusters but i haven't actually seen the movie at this point but um and i really really wanted to watch it and i remember um me and my dad going out to try and find a blank videotape so that we could record it off the tv because we didn't have any blank tapes um and so we went looking for one and we couldn't get one anywhere and we ended up going to like a local video store and they're like we don't have any blank tapes we actually have a copy of ghostbusters a video if you want to buy it i have no idea how much it costs i i feel like it was probably expensive because people didn't really buy a lot of videos back then at least not here um and so i had my own copy of ghostbusters on videotape like a, a proper one from like the video store and i used to watch it every day like so i would stay with my grandparents because my parents both worked and they would look after me during the day because this is before i was at school and i would watch ghostbusters pretty much every day and i would watch it um, with with my my nan, my grandma, and um, I would watch the opening scene with the library, and every time it got up to that bit, I would say to to my nan, "Hey, um, do you want me to sit with you for this bit? Because I know you get really scared during this scene." Um, and and she'd be like, "Yeah, I, I do get really really scared during this scene, Brennan. Thanks, 
you, you could sit with me for this bit. And we'd watch the library scene. I'd make sure she didn't get too scared. Um, and then I'd watch the rest of the movie by myself. <laughs> and that library goes scene, uh, I think maybe there's some trauma attached to that. For, for my grandma, not for me. Yeah. Um, but, but I always made sure she was okay. Yeah. Uh, that's you're so you were such a thoughtful child yes yes yeah that uh, scene even now it, it was a little scary when i watched it like and because i hadn't seen it a while i kept expecting it to happen earlier than it did because in my mind that bit where she kind of jumps out is right at the beginning but it's actually a little ways a little yeah. ways um and i was just kind of like waiting for it and then once it came i was like oh that wasn't that scary and then i just enjoyed the film from there but <laughs> Uh, so to be honest, um, I did not see either of these movies in the theater. I was too young. And also when this first movie came out, I did not live in Canada. I lived in, in Trinidad at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so Trinidad is very much like Australia where they had like two, two, three channels. Uh, one channel was completely dedicated to Trinidad things and Trinidad news and local, whatever. And then like the other two channels was like a random array of international things in different languages and, and all sorts of stuff. So it was very weird. So I actually have no idea what the hype was when this movie came, these movies came out. But I do remember um, watching like the real Ghostbusters and the Ghostbusters like cartoons and then watching the movies. So like to me, like you, all of them seem to be from the same exact time period. Like it's just everything happened at once where obviously it did not. Like these these are like spread out over a good like 10 years or something with the cartoons and everything. Um, yeah, I don't think that maybe Ghostbusters 2 is coming out. Maybe that's why what the first one was on TV or something even. Like so there, mm -hmm. there may have been, because to me, both those movies kind of existed at the same time mm. uh, um, from, from my point of view. And, and I think you do that when you're little too, like all of your stuff kind of gets crammed together um, in your, in your memory, but certainly the Ghostbusters cartoon, I watched that like religiously, but I have no idea whether I saw the cartoon or the movie first. I, I, yeah. could, I couldn't tell you. I yeah. couldn't tell you either. One thing I do remember though. Um, oh my God. What's the name of that gas station? That doesn't exist anymore here. Sonico, Sonico, Sonico. Um, well, it, I think it does exist, but in very like, you know, small rural towns and stuff. But I remember Sonic, I think I think it was Sonico stations. They were having a Ghostbusters promotion or something. I don't remember why. I don't remember what it was connected to. Um, but I think it was one of the cartoons because when you filled up your gas tank, you got like a like a glass that had like Ghostbusters stuff on it and you can get one with um like the Stape of Marshmallow Man like the Ghostbusters logo um and the Ecto-1 on it and stuff and uh at one point in time we did have four but I know for a fact I have one left and I believe it's the one that has the um that has the car on it and the reason why I can't verify that is because it's at my mom's place in her china cabinet so it stays nice and safe and untouched, so it's it's it's, it's taking totally care. Totally collector's item now. The, like, because I feel like those glasses, they must have just got broken over here. So I didn't have Ghostbusters glasses, but certainly we had that with like Batman. Mm. Uh, like I remember, especially Batman Returns. Um, like we had all the glasses from that, and they must have all broken over the years. Like because we used them like heavily. Like they were like our glasses. Um, so I'm sure that there must be some value to because it's like what getting to be a 40 year old movie 
the first one. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, there was so much merchandise stuff here. So there was the ghost cans. There was like popcorn that was branded with it here. Uh, like yeah, so so much. It's re- it's really interesting because I I hadn't clicked that you wouldn't have been in Canada when it came out. Um, it'd be interesting to to know. Um what it was like there as well uh, we might have to regroup with a with, a, with that exactly like lady. i yeah. mean i think the first movie i ever saw in a theater uh was like superman 2 or something um i remember because we had like one room theater houses in trinidad at the time and so like whatever movie was playing was the movie you were watching um yeah. and it was I don't know if this like is a completely made up by my brain or something, but I remember it being a rainy day, us walking in, sitting down, watching Superman and then leaving. And I was like, Oh, Superman. But I don't really like, I don't even remember watching the whole movie. I just remember going in, seeing a screen lights happening, whatever people all around. And it's like, I was paying attention to the people rather than the movie because this is an experience I've never had before. Um, And then, you know, I love going to theater. Like this pandemic has kept me from going to movie theater and it's so sad. I love going to the theater. People think I'm- We can go again here, but there's no movies on. So it's like, it's almost worse. I like, like I could go, but there's nothing to see. Like there's, there's like- um, I'm really excited for King Kong versus Godzilla. It looks like it's actually going to come out. Yeah. And yeah. like just to go to a movie will be. Yeah. <laughs> like, we we actually went and saw Wonder Woman '84 at the at the cinema, and I actually don't know that it was that great of a movie, but I loved it. Like in my mind, it was so fun. Like it was so good. And just to see a movie again at a cinema, like with not a lot of people, but with like other people, it was yeah, it was exciting. Yeah, I've only in the last year, I've only seen two movies in the theater. And this was in, I want to say, no, it wasn't cold yet. So I'm going to say it was like October or September of last year. And I saw um, Tenant and um, uh, what's that X-Men slash not X-Men movie? Um, Um, New Mutants. And I was so disappointed in both of these movies. I'm like, I could have died. And those are the last two movies I could have seen that's depressing is all I could yeah. I remember thinking. And, and, but now like um, my, me and my friend are really excited for Godzilla. And we're just like, I hope the theater opens up for Godzilla. I hope the theater opens up for Godzilla is all that we're saying. I'm like, that's, that's my pact. I'm like, if we go to the theater, we're seeing Godzilla. That's it. So, we, so me and my wife, Sally, we saw uh, Wonder Woman 84 and came out and we were both like, Oh, that was really good. Like I really enjoyed that. And I've since heard like people's criticisms of the film, and they're all correct. Like, and I, I, I don't even disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Damn, it just felt like such a good movie. Like at the time, it just felt like so good to see it. And uh, and we, so we also have like a really young son, so we weren't getting out to the cinema right before COVID much either. So it's it feels like it felt like forever since we had both been to like together, and um, yeah, it was it was such a good experience. Even if maybe the movie, in hindsight, wasn't as good as I imagined it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to take a little sidestep here because you brought up Wonder Woman, which brings up DC, which brings up the Snyder Cut. Have you watched it yet? Yeah, I did. I, I did watch it the other day. It took me, I think, three sittings to get all the way through it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a 
fairly long movie. It's four hours and two minutes. Yeah. Um, and it was... So, so let me just explain what the experience of watching it is like here as well. Okay. So in Australia, there's like, so we have streaming services, right? So Netflix and all the ones that you have. Uh, we, have we also have some like Australian streaming services. Like, so we have one called Stan, which is, is really good. Um, it has a lot, of, a lot of international content, uh, a lot of Australian content. And then we have like our cable providers and they're kind of in the background dying a slow death. But they, uh, but they continue to get like spend money to get like big things, and they have their own um, streaming service called Binge, and it is awful. Uh, it's so bad, and they got the exclusive rights for the the Snyder Cut, um, and I got a free subscription to it through my phone, so I didn't have to pay to see it, but I could not get it running across two TVs, a PlayStation, on it. Anything. So I ended up having to watch it on my laptop. Oh. Uh, it was the only thing that I could get it to, to stream on. And the quality was really not that good. And because of that weird ratio that he decided to, to shoot it in, it was like watching it in a tiny box. So it wasn't exactly the most cinematic of experiences. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, overall, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. I didn't like Man of Steel especially, and I didn't like Batman versus Superman. Uh, so I like this more than those. Um, it's not my favorite, but it was, and it could have been an hour shorter, but it was, it was okay. Um, I agree with everything that you have just said. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, except for the streaming service stuff. I don't know what that stuff's about. Yeah, I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah. Canada has their own streaming uh, issues and stuff, but the service they have it on here is I could get it on my TV and it was fine. And I sat down to watch it at like 6 p.m. And of course, at like 10 p.m., I was just like, why was this movie so long? Like, I felt so tired and so drained because it was just so much stuff. And but a lot of this the stuff in there seemed very random, but not in a good way. Like they didn't do any proper um, like character building, you know. Like I didn't care about Cyborg by the end of the movie. I did not care about um, the Flash throughout the movie. Like he wasn't funny. He wasn't. I mean, he was a little bit funny, but he wasn't particularly charming. And like the persona that they're trying to give him just wasn't really working. And and I was just like, why am I supposed to care about any of these people or or their their whatever, you know, destructive uh, history that they have, you know? Like, when the father died, I was like, okay, he died, whatever. It wasn't yeah, and that's, uh, uh, that scene, I, I just remembered that scene. It made me so mad. Like, why did he have to be in that box? He didn't Was have to be in the box. He could have literally just taken the two steps forward, closed yeah. the door, and pressed the button, but he yeah. didn't. Yeah, that was was awful. I I think the problem is there are so many scenes like that in the movie that it was getting me angry. Like even the part like um, on Thermoscura where the box is coming alive and she's like running out of the temple and they're like bashing on the thing to like seal it or whatever. But there's a giant hole at the top of the building. And so, of course, if it tumbles down, then it's easier to get to the hole for them to come out. It's not like it's a sealed box. So none of that was necessary. And it, was, it just seemed like a waste of time and energy, you know? And yeah. it's like, I don't know what you're doing. Too. Like it, was, it went for a long time. And I, I think the character stuff you talked about, it was better than the other version, but it wasn't, like you say, the cyber stuff, it, it didn't even feel 
like the editing was weird. Like it would just all of a sudden cut to a, a story like about his past. It wasn't, it didn't always feel very um, fluid. It just kind of would just cut to, okay, now we're going to watch half an hour about Cyborg's life. And then yeah. we'll back yeah. again. And yeah. Um, it seemed like a, a movie, a different movie made and like intercut into it. If you know yes. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you, there were bits where you could tell they switched things around, like the order of things, even just weird stuff. Like I, there was a there's a shot where Batman kicks a guy off, a, like a boardwalk, and then it cuts to the shot of him looking down, and then in the next shot he's doing that right next to where like this massive fight is going on with Steppenwolf, and like Batman's a normal guy. Like why is he taking the time to look off the bridge? But what I think had actually happened is they had just used that shot to link the two shots together. I don't think that was probably the original plan. And mm-hmm. it looked really weird because it looked like Batman had kicked this guy off and then he takes the time to go and check out what's going on. Meanwhile, there's like a nuclear bomb going off next to him. Like, like why would he do that? It do- and it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't really look like that's what it was supposed to be. Uh, and mm. and there were lots of things like that. But, I mean, overall, I think it, it was certainly, I think, his best... Snyder's best DC movie, in my opinion. It is the best. Uh, uh, begrudgingly, I have to agree, but also the bar is really low. So yeah. mm, take and it I as think you I have pretty low expectations, which probably helps as well, because I know what those movies are now. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to be disappointed like I was with Man of Steel. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'm not going to let him do that to me again. I know what he's making. And, yeah. um, but, and maybe it's contentious to say... I. I think the the Joss Whedon Justice League is it's not a good movie either. No, nope. uh, but there were a couple of bits like I did kind of like that more optimistic Superman that we got at the end of that film, um, and I did. I, I know it's a bit contentious uh, with the circumstances around the shooting of it, but I actually quite enjoyed the the booyah moment uh, with Cyborg. <laughs> in that movie. I, I thought it was like a moment of levity. It, his really because he's a he's a really kind of emo character in that Mm. movie so it was nice for him to have that moment um for me even though i understand i know that there's a lot of contention around the shooting of that movie and and specifically that line um but yeah to me there were there were aspects of that movie that were better even though that uh, the movie is not better, but there are aspects of that movie that I thought they did a little better. Yeah, there's actual story building without character building, which it seems like an odd thing to happen, but it's very true. Um, and like, there's so many scenes of just like, look how cool they are scenes, you know, like, mm. like, you know, like Batman standing in the wind and his cape is flapping, and there's like six minutes of him just standing there, and you're just like, are we? Is this is this all we're looking at right now? Like, can we can we keep this going? You know, the bit where the the lady starts singing as Aquaman goes into the water. Oh my god! And then they just, and then they just and like that was okay. Like I get what he was doing, but it just kept going. Like they just kept singing, and I was just like, he's gone. Like he's in a way he can't hear you no more. Like let let him let him go. For some uh, reason, she had to go pick up his sweater, and we needed to see her still singing, holding his sweater. I don't, I don't know. I didn't get it. I agree. Like that scene, I was just like, "Why he's gone?" You, you look at her; she's singing. You look back, and there's like the the little bubbles in the thing, which means he's gone. That's the end of the scene. Just go, like 
you know, and so, that's so, why it's so long. So with his, um, with, well, I'll say sweater, so you're already in some sense, I would say jumper. Uh, but with, with this jumper, uh, he, they, she takes it, right? And every time he comes in, like, so there's the bit where he, like, rescues a guy, he goes into the bar, and he's wearing, like, a tank top when he rescues him. But then he leaves, he takes the tank top off and jumps back into the water. Like, during the time he rescued that person, where did he go to get the tank top to wear in? Like, because he literally only wore it into the bar. I guess no shirt, no service. Took it, went in, dropped the guy off. All right, got the whiskey, I'm out. Take my shirt off again, take off. Like, I think you can skip that step. Yeah. <laughs> you would think so. I mean, with the tattooing on him, it's practically a shirt anyway, so you're fine. It looks <laughs> awesome. He doesn't need to wear the tank top. Like, he... <laughs> I mean, the, the tank top was pretty much strings. Like, it wasn't even, like, a real <laughs> shirt. What was the point? Like, I imagine that on the jetty, there's, like, a box full of clothes that the townsfolk leave there for when Aquaman gets out of the water. And he always wears pants in the water. Like, why does he need to take the shirt off anyway? Like, he can... Maybe yeah. we're looking at it a bit too closely. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there are... The problem, the thing is, is that when a movie is either like bad or at the cusp of being good you end up analyzing it more than just a flat out bad movie or a flat out good movie because you're just like if you just change these tiny things like how is it that it's so clear that these tiny things are necessary that's the thing that made it bad and it would have been so good whereas like if it's like a bad like a flat out bad movie you're like this whole thing is bad just burn it so you don't have to analyzing or if it's good you're just like everything's amazing and you're just like you know blinded by how good it is so you don't analyze anything but when it's on that cusp of of quality you're just like and I want to enjoy it like I want to uh, like I really like I love those characters I really want to enjoy it and and like I say for the most part I think this one I, I did like it, it was certainly a more enjoyable experience than the last couple had mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. Um, but like I'll watch Shazam or Wonder Woman 84 over over those anytime like to me they're just more fun and yeah and that's what I want from most superheroes I, mm. I want I have not watched Wonder Woman uh, 84s yet, um, but I did watch Shazam and I didn't mind it at all. Like I thought it was it was decent. It was it was fine. You know, like I'm not it's not up in the echelons of greatness of of comic book films or anything. Um, But it's like, you know, what? it's on TV. I'll give it a watch. I've already watched it more than once. And, you know, if it was shitty, I would not have watched it more than once. So but I can't actually I can't say that because I definitely watched Man of Steel twice to verify my hatred of it. Um, and I think before I saw Batman versus Superman, I watched it again. I'm like, maybe I would gave it like, maybe I wasn't fair. And I just, I think maybe I disliked it more the second time because I knew what was coming. Um, and it's just, it doesn't to me. And I know a lot of people really love that movie and I don't want to shit on it. Like I get why they like it too. Like I, I understand what people get about uh, what people enjoy about it. But to me, it just doesn't feel like Superman, and it just doesn't, it doesn't. feel uh, the character that I love. And and I think that's okay. Like it's fine to take him as like an Elseworld Superman, or like I don't think that all movies need to be exactly like the comics. But because we haven't had like a really good Superman movie in such a long time, it would just be nice to have a more traditional Superman. And then and then we can do those spinoffy 
other styles of Superman. We can do our Injustice Superman. We can do our Evil Superman. Mm-hmm. But I, I just like a nice. Well, Superman. I think that's that was my biggest problem with it as well is the fact that like watching that movie, I'm like whoever made this movie doesn't know who Superman is, yeah. and also the portrayal of Superman in it. Um, you lose that. Um, what do you call it? Um, suspension of disbelief um, because Superman with his glasses on and with his glasses off is exactly the same character both ways. Whereas, you know, you have to have a distinction between Clark Kent and Superman to make that stupid glasses on glasses off thing work. And Mm. it's just, it's nonsense. And it just made me mad watching it because Superman isn't cocky. Superman isn't a dick. Superman isn't like, I'm better than everybody else. That's not his shtick. And that's what they presented. And like, you can have a goody two shoes character whose world is, is, is gray. You can do that. And I think- uh the problem is, is they made the world gray and they made Superman gray. And you're like, that's not who Superman is. And, and I hate to compare it to the, um, the competition. Of, yes. of Marvel, but like I think movies like winter soldier and civil war show, you can have that kind of hokey hero mm-hmm. exist in that kind of more realistic world. Yeah. Um, I was trying very hard not to say it, Um, but that Captain America movie where he is very much black and white and a Boy Scout in a world that is very gray, you know, where there's all different lines that he goes in and out and comes back and it works because they keep the fundamental of the character, but change the world around him compared to this movie where they're like, no, we're going to change the world and we're going to change him. And you're just like, that's not Superman then. Like, you just can't do it. The bit that lost me in that movie, like, I didn't mind it. And then the bit that lost me was when he let his dad die. And it was just like, Superman, I guess my Superman wouldn't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't care about protecting his identity at the risk of other people getting hurt. Like, he'll give away his identity every single time if that's the only way to save someone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that he won't try and keep it secret. Um, he certainly will, but if he if if he thought that the only way he could save someone was to give his identity away, I think he he does it in a second without even thinking. Sure. Um, yeah, even in in shows that maybe weren't always the best, but things like Smallville, where he I remember in the very first episode he saves the bus full of kids, and his dad's like, "You got to stop doing this. Like people are going to work out who you are." And he's like, "I can't just let a bus full of kids die." Like like um, I, and of all the people in your life, like your like adopted father, adopted mother. Like, how do you just let that happen? Um, like, it's not even that, that, like, he doesn't even not like him. Like, he, he loves his dad. And to let that happen, to me, it just didn't ring true. It didn't feel like something. I, I couldn't get behind that. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, I, I sat there in the theater watching it go, like, confused. But I was watching with one of my girlfriends who's not a giant nerd like me. And I was looking at her like, what the hell? And she's like, hmm. I'm like, I need, I need to yell about this. And I just couldn't do it, you know? And I was just like, that doesn't, that makes absolutely no sense in any way, shape or form. It was just, it was just so, so frustrating. And the thing is, Henry Cavill is not a bad actor. Like, I think if he he was, yeah, Yeah. he can do it. I think he has the look and he has the, the stance for it. And as Superman, I think he's great, but his, I think his direction in the film 
wasn't to be a clumsy reporter. It was to be like, no, you're a tough guy still. Boom, get to work. Like, and it, it's just like, no, no, no. That's not who Superman is. You gotta, you gotta, you have to change everything about yourself to switch your character, you know? And if, if you don't, you've lost everything. Uh, well, maybe but, that just was a little better because there's, there's not a lot of Superman in there. No. So maybe, um, maybe that's, Maybe that's why I liked it more. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But the new uh, Lois Superman TV show is pretty good. You should check it out. I watched the first episode and I really liked it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have to, I'll have to watch some more. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunately also on the same streaming service as uh, Justice League. So it basically means I'm watching it on my laptop, which again has turned me off watching it. But I, I will, um, yeah, yeah, at some point. Well, hopefully you didn't have to watch Ghostbusters on your computer through that ser- service. So no, I didn't. I watched Ghostbusters on DVD. Yes. Um, I intended to cheat and watch it on Amazon Prime, yeah. but it had been removed uh, since since I went to watch it. So I had to find out my DVDs, which normally would be super easy. Mm-hmm. Um, they in they kind of in genres and then in in alphabetical order. So finding a movie is very very easy. Except that I have um, a just over one-year-old who really likes to pull DVDs off of shelves. So none of them are where they are meant to be anymore. Um, so it took me a little while to find Ghostbusters 1 and 2 on DVD. But I found them and I watched them on DVD and it was, it was a very uh, much better experience. So. Good, good, yeah. Uh, it was so fun. Like, I didn't realize. So I have, like, a box set that came with the two of them. And so I pulled it out and I didn't realize that my thing, it comes with, like, a little, like, book and Ooh. it has like all of the um like sketches and stuff from like the original like what was the ghost man gonna be and all oh, that wow. kind of stuff in it and like lots of concept stuff and storyboarding elements and stuff in it so it's just like some cool things so I, I had fun like watching the movie and just flipping through this book which i thought was really cool and they talk about some of the like practical effects they did there's a lot of wire work and stuff but the practical effects have aged so well in these movies mm. like it looks better than some movies that have come out recently until you like you see like the the blue screen stuff you know which are it's very evident in the second movie compared to the first movie um but yeah all of the visual effects in these movies are fantastic they're so yeah cool. yeah they hold up really well um and kind of on that special feature thing this is just something that i, I think is quite interesting about the ghostbusters dvd at least the version i have so i think i have like the first release of it in australia basically mm-hmm. on dvd and it was like an, some sort of anniversary edition. Um, give me two seconds. I'll grab it. Um, I'll, I'll show you. I tell a lie. It's just the collector's edition. It's not. It's not an anniversary. Okay. So I have, I, but I believe it was the first release of Ghostbusters on DVD here. And um, so, and then Ghostbusters two. I remember taking it taking quite a long time to come out on DVD. So I didn't buy them at the same time. Like two came out maybe even a couple of years later. Uh-huh. But the special features on the first one are really, really good. And they have this uh, director's commentary. But when you listen to the director's commentary, it's not like a director's commentary on any other DVD I've ever seen because you actually see the silhouettes of the directors and the producers at the bottom of the screen. And they're not fake. 
like I believe that they film them from behind and then have turned them into silhouettes because there are like points where they will point at things on screen and talk about them. So as well as the dialogue, you can see like at the bottom of the screen, three silhouettes. Uh, uh, it's like I Ivan Reitman and um, I forget who else is, is on the commentary. I didn't listen to the commentary this time around. I just checked that it, it matched my memory and it, it is, it's definitely there. Um, and you see, yeah, the three guys and they're kind of pointing at things as the movie goes on and then they'll be talking about them. And it's really good. Like it's the best DVD commentary I've ever seen. Um, and I don't know why more didn't do that or if it was just a thing they tried or they were like, this is a lot more work than just sitting them in a, in a recording studio. But um, it's, it's really cool. It's worth checking out on your version. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I am notorious for never watching um, like, the commentary or special features on DVDs um, because I love the, 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 the end effect of like the cinematic work. Um, yeah. I also find uh, commentary really annoying because especially if I'm, I like a movie, I don't want somebody talking through my movie. I'm just like, I don't care oh, yeah. what you're doing, yeah. you know? Um, but you saying it that way where it's like, they're watching the movie with you, like they're on screen pointing at stuff. I'd kind of be interested in watching that. And this one does say science theater type thing. Like it's, it's yeah. like, it feels like you're watching it together. It's heaps more immersive than other, even though it's just three like tiny guys at the bottom of the screen. Um, it makes a big difference. And I remember seeing it and, and being really shocked because I'd never seen anything like that. Mm. Uh, I'm a bit of a movie nerd and I used to, I not so much these days, but I used to listen to a lot of the commentaries. Um, after I've watched the movie, I would kind of go back and then watch it again with the commentary typically. Yeah. And um, being shocked that this had this and that I've never seen it on any other DVD ever. Like, I don't think it's a thing that yeah. doing. it might be exclusive to Ghostbusters. Uh, but you, yeah. I mean, the few that I have tried to look at, it usually lasts like 15 minutes and I turn it off. Um, I've never seen that either. Uh, so, but this actually makes me want to go back and check it out to see if it's actually there or not. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of tricky on a modern TV to get it going because I actually had to switch it to like 4 by 3 mode. Uh, it mm -hmm. did give me a warning that I needed to switch it to 4 by 3 mode to see, the, to see them. Okay. Um, and so, and I mean, that's not hard to do, but it's... It didn't just automatically work. I had to. I had to change it. Um, but it's there, and it was exactly like I remembered. These three little guys at the bottom of the screen pointing at <laughs> stuff. It's, yeah, it's it's cool. Uh, whereas Ghostbusters Two has like no special features. No. My version. Um, this one says it has uh, two episodes of the animated series, and that's it. Yeah, no, there's no, no nothing on mine. Of Ghostbusters Two at all. Um, I wonder why. And this is the real Ghostbusters, not the Ghostbusters. So interesting. I always used to get confused about those like two cartoons, like the Ghostbusters and the real Ghostbusters, because Ghostbusters was the one that was weird where they were like in a, in another world almost. And then the real Ghostbusters were the ones that are just like the movies, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Didn't you know the reasoning behind that at all? Uh, um, I remember my friend had told me and I have completely forgotten. So if you know, yeah. So, so as far as I understand it is, so there's, there's the filmation Ghostbusters. So they're the other, the kind of weird Ghostbusters with the gorilla on the team, mm -hmm. yeah. um, which, which I also was like really into as a kid. Uh, I didn't really discriminate too much. Uh, I had ghost in the title, but that was based on like an earlier 
maybe from like the 60s or 70s Ghostbusters thing. Um, and when they created the new Ghostbusters, the Ivan Reitman Ghostbusters, uh, they wanted to use that name. Um, and then they found out that this already exists. And so they basically had to license the name from the Filmation Ghostbusters. Uh, and so when the movie came out, the Filmation Ghostbusters were like, oh, well, we've got our own Ghostbusters. Let's try and make some money out of this. So they did their own version of the cartoon. And that's why the the other cartoon calls itself the real Ghostbusters um, because they had to differentiate themselves from the, the Filmation one. Oh, yeah. I'm like looking at the poster. And I'm like, oh, this is completely different. Yeah. And the real Ghostbusters. Well, I always thought it was like it was um, the same people just in a different place for some reason. That's what's in my brain from yeah. childhood. But and I'm looking at it now. It's- yeah, but they're completely, completely different. Um, the main difference being there's like one of the members of a team is a gorilla uh, with, with a cowboy hat. And um, yeah, I, so that's my understanding is that there was this original Ghostbusters. They licensed the name from them to, to use that. And um, and then the other Ghostbusters were like, "Hey, we we still own the property. We can we can make our own Ghostbusters cartoon and stuff." So they did did that, and both I think came out pretty much the same time. Same time, yeah. One thing I remember is the bad guy in the Ghostbusters had like an evil, like like uh, organ or something that he would play in the opening sequence. Yeah, I don't know why that stuck into my head, but that's it. They never really felt especially ghosty. To me, the, that version of the Ghostbusters was monsters and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, whereas I think it, it, the movies especially, this is something they do, and then it, uh, even more so maybe in the cartoon, is this idea that the Ghostbusters is just like this job that they have. And so mm. you, they're coming, it's like an exterminator. So like you get a ghost in your house, you call them, and they come and they fix it. And the cartoon is literally just that each episode. Oh, there's someone else has got a ghost in their house. Um, let's call... Who are you going to call? And uh, the Ghostbusters come, come and help out. It's, that's just their job. It's not particularly glamorous or exciting. Um, it's just, they just kill ghosts. Or- yeah, and Slimer yeah. sort of becomes yeah. their, like, pet slash sidekick yes. somehow. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, uh, I, so I guess the thing, and I, I mean, we haven't looked at the specific movies that closely, but a thing that I always hear with Ghostbusters too is people say that it's a lot worse of a film than like, I hear that a lot, that the second film is a lot worse than the original. And um, like, and one of the main things that I hear is the criticism is they, they kidified it a lot uh, because the Ghostbusters cartoon was doing so well mm-hmm. that they, 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 for Ghostbusters too, like they removed a lot of the smoking and, and things like that, that were in the, in the first movie and maybe the storyline was a bit more kid friendly. Um, and it's just, and people just say that it's not as good of a film as Ghostbusters one, but when I rewatched it, like I really love Ghostbusters two. Uh, I, like, I, I was I almost, fine with it. Yeah. I think I almost like it better. I don't know what it is. I, maybe it's the nostalgia of watching it, that one as a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I like them both a lot. Um, but I think, like that scene with the birthday party that we were talking about earlier. Like I remember that scene as like a really iconic Ghostbusters scene. And like, 
the Marshmallow Man is cool, but then the Statue of Liberty coming down the street with the music and everyone cheering is mm. pretty cool too. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I do like the first one better than the second one, and I don't dislike the second movie, but there is a little bit of a pacing problem with the second one because I found myself wandering from it. You know what I mean? Like where I'm it's like s- sitting there watching it and then all of a sudden I'm just like, let me check my phone a minute. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Oh, something's happening. You know, whereas the first one I find I didn't have time for my brain to wander as well, yeah. you know. Um, but I don't I don't find it's kidified because Ray is he's got like a cigar half the time for some reason. Yeah. And <laughs> drop the cigarettes, but then he has the cigar. And especially at the end where they're spraying the slime. That was the main time that I noticed him with this like big stogie sticking out of his mouth and he's right? like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like I I don't see why if you like the first Ghostbusters why you would dislike the second movie like it no. just, to me they're on they're on par with each other yeah and I, I think I can see I can certainly see the argument that the first movie is better like and and probably if I look at it purely from like a technical critical point of view I'd probably have to agree that it is better mm-hmm. um but I think maybe I still like Ghostbusters 2 more. I don't know what it is about Ghostbusters 2. Like there's that scene in Ghostbusters 2 with the with the montage of catching ghosts. Yes. And um, with the jogger and the joggers coming along and they have like the trap set up and they, they don't even like catch him with the wands. They just open the trap as he runs past and he gets sucked in. And like that sequence, um, the sequence where the slime's coming out and like the t- Titanic comes and the the fur coat comes to life and starts running down the street. I like, love the fur coat coming to life. I do. Every time I see that, I'm like, this is amazing. I love it. Like those to me are the iconic Ghostbusters scenes. And it wasn't really till this rewatch that I realized that most of them are in Ghostbusters too. Like most <laughs> of my favorite Ghostbusters scenes are in too. Um, again, I love the first film. Uh, don't get me wrong. But just two has so many of those moments. I like that Slimer just kind of makes a little bit of guest appearance and he is maybe a bit more closer to the cartoon. Like he is a bit more of a friendly, like he's driving the bus um, that, that, that Lewis gets on. Yeah. Um, like, and I guess that is kind of goofy stuff. Like it, it probably, if you, especially if you had never seen the cartoon and you went straight from the first movie to the second movie, you might be like, why is Slimer not like a, evil ghost anymore mm-hmm. but i don't know i don't care i love it <laughs> yeah like and, and talking about the titanic coming in um these movies have some really great cameos of people for like half a second and you're just like yeah. and it's like everybody from the 80s right like everybody from the 80s that were like known of the at the time are in these movies. You're just like, what is what is happening? Why why are you even here for this this millisecond of time? And it's great because um, when the Titanic come in, what you see, um, it's Cheech Marin, I think it is. So it's I always get the two like the Cheech and Chong guys mixed up as to which one is <laughs> which one is Chong, but it's definitely one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's yeah. Cheech, and then I three seconds later, there's like Ben Stein, there's Philip Baker Hall. Um, you see um, Brian Doyle Murray, who I found out is actually Bill Murray's brother, which I had never known before. Oh, okay. um, yeah, he put the Doyle there because there's some other guy named Brian Murray that he didn't want to get like mixed up with. So, um, yeah, that's his brother. And then... It was interesting because there's the Titanic one, 
but then he comes back later when the when the Statue of Liberty is coming back through. Yeah, it's like they had him and they had that shot and they were like, hey, we've got two scenes near the water. Like, let's get a second one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like you're gonna. You're, it's gold. It's gonna be gold. Yeah. I love it. Uh, who else was in there? There was Bobby Brown, of course, because he sings the "Gonna Make It Happen" song, which was also co-written by Babyface Edmonds, which I didn't know before. Um, who else? Yeah, there's tons of people in there. And then in the first movie too, you've got uh, Reginald L. Johnson, which is great. Um, I love him. He's awesome. You've got Jane Candy in the music video, but not yeah. in the movie. <laughs> which is so weird you're like why are you doing this he was he was apparently going to be in the film i think he was going to be um lewis really or- originally yeah i think so it was someone like that and um for whatever reason it didn't pan out like maybe they didn't like what he was doing with it or he wasn't able to do do it on the day I, i'm not really sure but m- my understanding is he was going to be in the movie originally because oh. the video the music video I think was shot early, like before they shot a lot of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I feel like it was Lewis. Like, I mean, what other characters could he have been? I, it's hard to. That's the real yeah. question. Yeah. Um, I think it was Lewis. It, that would be so different. Like, because he is amazing. Rick Moranis mm-hmm. in, the, in both the movies is just so funny. I think he's my favorite character across the, the two films. There's the, the reoccurring joke in the first one, which I didn't realize happened quite as much as it happens, where he keeps locking himself out of his apartment. Yeah. Um, and the first one is like a really obvious one. And then the second one, he comes out and he's he's kind of in the foreground. He's not even re- 100% in focus. And Bill Murray comes out and it's like he comes out to see who's coming out of her apartment. He seizes Bill Murray, gets really awkward about it and tries to go back in. But then the door's locked. So he just stands there as Bill Murray walks past. He doesn't say anything. And oh, I was just dying. I did I never <laughs> realized how funny that scene was until I watched it. And he, oh, he's just and right the way through, he's just so funny. He's I, yeah. so funny. Like I love the part in uh, when he's uh running from uh the the dog or whatever you want to call it um and he's by the glass window and he turns around and it's like attacking him and everyone's just staring um but his just he's just so animated in that whole like sequence like running through the park knocking on the windows like the whole bit and it's so funny like I, i found myself properly laughing at that scene and i was like i didn't realize you know how like hilarious this was i don't remember i remember it being fun but i don't remember yeah. it being funny and it was legitimately yeah. funny like and even when the dog first comes he's like okay who brought a dog to the party and he's just like he just hadn't noticed that someone had brought a dog in and like put it in there yeah. um a really weird bit with that scene that i hadn't noticed before with that restaurant with all the glass is you can't ever see the dog when it's looking out through the the glass. And so you see him like sliding down the thing and like, he's clearly being attacked, but you can't see the dog. And it's like, I'm not sure if that was an effects thing. Like it was too hard to do or, or is it a thing where, uh, but other people saw the dog, like as he was coming out of like it blasted through a door and stuff. Mm -hmm. So other people have seen the dog. Um, And then they talk about someone bringing a cougar to the party when Bill Murray comes back. So other people saw the dog, but for whatever reason in that scene, you can't see the dog outside of the glass. 
Oh, I'm so, I never thought about it that way because I always assumed I was like, oh, the dog is like a ghostly entity. So people in the restaurant, like, because I was wondering why the people in the restaurant are ignoring him. And yes, they're like, oh, yeah, he's, yeah. oh, he's just a crazy guy. We see this all the time because it's, I'm assuming they were where he was running through Central Park. And, you know, there are some people who are not in the greatest state of mind or, yeah are chemically influenced um, there. And they're probably just like, yeah, we see it all the time, whatever. As long as they don't break the glass and come inside, it's fine. And so if they're not seeing anything, they're going to just ignore him. They're just, you know, but if they saw an animal, yeah. Yeah. But we know that they see the animal earlier because we see the door smash open. We see people react to it. Like, um, so it was just a little bit of an interesting thing. And I wondered whether it was an effects choice or whether it was a choice of, that maybe originally you weren't going to see it and then they changed that because the effects were ready so that they, they wanted to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. I just thought it was an interesting thing that I hadn't noticed before. But yeah. I, I don't, I, I've never heard anyone talk about it. I've never, I'd never really thought about it before. Yeah. I mean, either. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you bring it up that way. And like, there's a juxtaposition of, of like, what is the point of this dog character then? Um, yeah. Hmm. Because hmm. I could see a world where you could say only he sees it because it's possessing him. Like that's the the point of it is it's going to possess him, so he becomes the key master. And like I get that, and I think that would be a totally cool way to do it. Except that we've seen it bust through doors. We've seen many people react to it uh, around him as well. Mm. So it's just yeah, it's just a, a thing where I wonder if they changed it or whether it was to do with effects. Because I imagine maybe doing the effect through the window would be harder to to pull off um, mm. because of frames and and things like that. Um, sure. Well, I wonder. I wonder if it's it's that it was far enough away from him at first that people couldn't see it through the glass because it's yeah. nighttime and it's bright inside, so you wouldn't see that far outside. But when he's getting quote unquote attacked, he's not actually being attacked. It's just like the thing going in the glass. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like it's not like a physical entity anymore. It's just like a oh yeah. True. Maybe it's gone into him by that point. Yeah. That's yeah. A, Maybe that's what it is. I'm gonna send you the no prize. I think you've. We'll go with that. I think you've explained <laughs> that. Yeah. We've done it, guys. We've we've <laughs> we've fixed the problem. We know what it is. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so we spoke a bit about Peter and, and a bit about Lewis. Uh, who, who, well, I guess maybe to start with, who's your favorite Ghostbusters? Who's my favorite? Oh, I used I used to think it was Venkman. Um, and now on the rewatch, I just think he's creepy. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say technically he's not a Ghostbuster, but I'm going to go with Rick Moranis. Um, yeah. he, is- he kind of is in the last one. Like he gets a suit in the last yeah. movie. He does, and yeah. I think that's great. So he is my favorite. Um, and Ray comes in a very close second because he is like, um, it's like every time there's a ghost, he's like a kid in a candy store, and he's all happy, and he's like, "Oh, this is exciting! This is so much fun!" And he's not creepy, and he's also not—he's also not an asshole. He's just like, "I'm a guy who knows this very particular thing, and I'm gonna have fun with it." He's you know? a ghost dog, yeah, a massive, and and he loves the all the language, like he does so well with that, and and like my understanding is that um, Dan Aykroyd's really into spiritual stuff 
uh, ghosts and things in real life. And actually that maybe even his parents were involved in spiritualism and mediumship and, and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. is, I, I might be making that up, but I think that's a thing. Um, and that he, he just seems to relish like talking about the equipment and um, all of those things. He, he, he sells it really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, the other person who sells it really, really well. And, and my favorite character is Egon. Um, like I just love Egon and I, as a kid, I don't think that I realized that Egon was supposed to be funny, um, or that Egon was like, I just thought he was the coolest person on earth. Um, and I just loved him so much and loved how much he knew about all of this stuff. Um, and yeah, so, so Egon is my pick. Um, which, and then I feel bad because we end up leaving out Winston, who I think is actually a really good addition to the team. Um, yeah, but he doesn't do that much. Like, like yeah. he brings a little bit of like um, common sense, you know. Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? This is crazy. So he brings a little bit of common sense, but in most scenes, he's just kind of in the background making faces, and you're just yeah. like, why are you here? And it's he a great lines, like the Twinkie line and the um, I love this town and 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 that's that stuff. Uh, I think he works for me because he's not a comedian like all of the others. He feels like a more grounded character, and mm -hmm. I, I like that aspect. And maybe I like him a lot more because he was a much bigger part of the cartoon as as well. Because um, yeah. I remember when me and my brother used to play Ghostbusters, I was Egon and he was always Winston, um, and that was the the way that we we played Ghostbusters. And um, yeah, so I, I really like Winston, but I. But you're not wrong. Like all of the things that you're saying are true. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, like and, I, I want to like him. And, but like, especially in the first movie where he just like, he shows up three quarters in, here's my resume. And you're like, here, hold this thing. And then in that whole sequence, he says, Hi, my name is Winston. I'm new here. And that's it. Like, that's all he says for like a good 25 minutes. And then he's, he yells, I love this town at the end. And you're like, okay. And even the second film. <laughs> the big part of the beginning with the birthday party scene. And then he's gone for a while. Like he's not there when they're digging into the, they don't explain it, but he's not there when they're digging into the thing. He doesn't get arrested. He doesn't like none of those. He's not in any of those scenes. Um, yeah. I had, I had assumed based on the beginning because they're coming out of the birthday party and he's like, we should just give this up. Like it's over. And I was like, Oh, I thought Winston. I had. I thought to myself, like I thought Winston was in more of this movie. Like I thought he was mm. at the end, and then I was thinking, oh no, he quits now, and he just doesn't come back. And it's true until they get to the court scene, and you see him like pat the guy on the shoulder. I assumed he's not. I assumed he was no longer in the film. To be honest, yeah. and I was well, like, and oh, that's where he comes back. There's the big thing about because Dana asks Egon for help specifically, and says he says. Do you mind if I get Ray in on this? And she's like, yeah, but not Peter. But uh, they kind of just ignore poor old Winston. Like, and then Peter comes anyway. And this is like, oh, I felt that bit kind of annoyed me. And I'm just like, like, guys, come on, bring, bring Winston along. Get the, whole <laughs> team, get the whole team in there if you're going to do it. All of I really them. like Winston. And maybe that's part because I like all of them. Um, and I really like Winston. And so watching Ghostbusters 2, I was a little bit shocked at he wasn't in more of the movie. Like, I thought he was in that. And then he, he kind of comes back, but they don't really explain where he's been. Like, yeah, no. just all of a sudden, he's there when they go to look for the, um, go, where the ghost train comes. 
like all of a sudden he's just back again. It's a weird way. Yeah, again, I will bring up the whole him saying Ghostbusters are done at the beginning and then coming back yeah. because I think when he shows up at the courthouse in the begin uh, in like it's like what the middle of the movie. Yeah, I want to say when he shows up there and then there are ghosts again. I think yes. that's the point where he's like, "Oh no, the ghosts are back," and he joins the team again. I've got to join again. But, but they don't make, yeah, yeah. But I think a scene is like missing in there to like solidify that, and I, so I then that, he's just with them. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, like I think that does explain that kind of plot hole. It just, yeah, I just feel like because apparently Eddie Murphy was uh, originally they were talking about for yeah, one I heard of the. That. Guys, I'm not yeah. sure if it was Winston or one of the others, but um, I just feel like that would have been a very different role with Eddie Murphy in it, and I'm kind of glad that they went the, the way that they did with having that kind of more grounded character. But I think the flip side of that is he just didn't get the screen time that those mm-hmm. bigger stars got, and I noticed that a lot more this time around. Um, and again, like I say, coming from the the cartoon where he's he's a proper part of the team, like he's not. He's not the extra Ghostbuster. Uh, like, you look at the cover of Ghostbusters 1, he's not even on it. Like, and um, I, I, so in my mind, he was in Ghostbusters 2 a lot more than he actually maybe was when I rewatched it. Was originally, like, like maybe it was one of those things, well, maybe we should bring him back for this or, or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, have you watched Stranger Things? Yes, I have. And there's the whole argument about who has to be Winston because Winston's yeah. not a scientist. <laughs> and um, I, I really like that scene because I like that the thing that they're fighting about is that he wasn't a Like, they don't want to be the guy that's not a scientist on the team. And I thought that was a really cool way of looking at those kids. And, like, the Ghostbusters, like, literally, like, illegitimately made science cool. And I think, like, it made science, in, in air quotes, um, cool because it's not, <laughs> it's not probably very scientific. But yeah. um, for me, and I, like I said before, like Egon, I never realized he was a joke. Not until much, much later. I mm. thought he was the coolest guy on earth uh, because, and all of the things that he knew about science and um, yeah, everything about him, just, he was a super cool guy. And um, I think that's kind of a cool thing about this movie. And, ho- and maybe like that it had that impact um, a little bit on kids that science is cool. And that's, yeah, you know, science is uh to do cool things you have to know nerdy things at the same time you yeah. know it's like it's like being an astronaut i mean like people are just like oh you gotta be a man's man to be an astronaut but at the same time like you gotta be a real nerd to be an astronaut as well you realize this you gotta do lots of studying lots of this lots of that and then you get to be an astronaut on top of all of it and it's the same thing with the ghostbusters you gotta be a giant nerd like i mean they own a bookstore about the occult and they're like flipping through books and reading books learning things or even in the first one where he's like finding maps and and like searching for things and finding information and then figuring out how to handle these ghosts and these entities and then that's when the cool part happens quote unquote yeah yeah it certainly had i guess it had that kind of impact not that i work in in science by any means but it had that impact on me like it's a movie that that I, I was so glad when i saw that this was the one movie that i would get to come and talk to you about yeah. um because it had like a massive impact on my life. It's in my top three movies uh, easily. And uh, so love ghosts and the paranormal and have a, have always had a big interest in that stuff. 
I wouldn't say that I'm a big necessarily believer, but certainly I've always had an interest in those sort of things. Um, and I don't know if you know this about me or not, uh, but we actually, uh, I was a co-founding member of the Launceston Paranormal Society. Yeah. The city that I live in, we we started the Paranormal Society here um, and we went ghost hunting uh, at people's houses and um, a bunch of locations around Tasmania. Uh, so it, it certainly had that kind of impact. And again, I don't think I really realized quite the impact that it had on me until, again, I was rewatching it and thinking about this stuff. Because I was thinking about as I'm watching it, uh, there's all these ghost shows now and there's like all this equipment. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here. There's equipment that they use for, for looking for ghosts um, that I don't necessarily buy to. But so much of that equipment looks like Ghostbusters stuff. And it's like the EMF did, detectors and things that like the, the the detectors that they use basically the, the the current ghost hunter groups basically using ghostbusters stuff maybe not the backpacks and the and the ones but the the detectors and things it's so much like ghostbusters and i don't think i i, I didn't click that how much they obviously have in, that movie must have influenced a lot of other people like so a lot of these ghost hunting groups probably were pretty influenced by ghostbusters I'm yeah and uh like i think sometimes um like life imitates art in that way where, you know, people are interested in finding uh, or finding or creating things to explore a subject. And the art was created before the thing was created. So that's what they yeah. follow. And even like terminologies that they use, they still use the same type of terminology when describing things so that even like the layman can understand it because it's common terminology, you know, yeah. you would say. And yeah, it's, I think it's interesting. I mean, like that happens with things like, um, I'm gonna bring this up like I do most episodes, uh, Star Trek, where you know, like when they had flip phones for communicators and you know, tablets and things like that, it's a lot of it the design or the layout or the use has a lot to do with what was presented there, even though the stuff on the show itself was already based on sciences. The creation of the thing, the design was based on what they was created on the shows. And I think that's yeah. the thing with like the ghost busters and ghost hunters and stuff. Now they use the terminology, the stuff they create to find the ghost quote unquote looks the same because that is their reference to what that thing should be. Yeah. And I, and I think maybe as well that, that especially Dan Aykroyd, I think really does homework. So like the language that they were using for things like, like full body apparitions and stuff like that, they were using the language that the ghost hunters prior to Ghostbusters were using uh, because obviously, like say, uh, my understanding is he has a big interest in, in the field. And um, so he put that in there and then maybe as kids, we absorbed it. And then it, it kind of kept, kept putting it back out there, which I think is really, really cool. Um, and I mean, certainly I would have loved to have had a pack and um and a, and a laser when we went we our form of ghost hunting was was not nearly as, as exciting as the the movies made out to be uh -huh. uh, we, certainly, we certainly saw some some we didn't see a lot of things we recorded some some kind of cool things at some of the places that we we went um we also did a lot of um sitting in empty rooms for hours um, <laughs> that was that was probably more of what what we saw um uh, I, I, 
I'll tell you about one of my favorite investigations, just just to give you a, an idea of what real ghost hunting was like. Um, so what would usually happen is someone would ask us to come and have a look at a place that they thought might be haunted. Um, and we'd be invited there essentially. And what we would do is kind of, I guess, try and record on video typically um, some sort of evidence that there could be a ghost there, but also kind of supply them with some alternative suggestions. Like, Maybe it's not a ghost. Maybe it's these other things. And we got invited to this really old pub uh, in a, quite a remote town. Um, and it was used as sort of a internet library type thing downstairs for the community. And then they didn't use upstairs. And they said to us, oh, we hear these, we hear walking around in the middle of the night upstairs. And we hear all of these things. And we're like, oh, well, you guys don't use upstairs, do you? And we're like, they're like, no. So it's really strange. And we're like, can we go up there and have a look? And so we went upstairs to have a look. And there's just like, possum poo everywhere so it was like so clear that there were possums all through the upstairs of that building and like the possums that we have here they're like they're pretty big and they're loud uh so we kind of like oh i think we've we've debunked that that claim uh the other claim was the other main claim uh, there were several but these, these were the two big ones that stood out to me the other one was uh that this room when you're outside of the room you can hear people talking in there but when you open the door the voices stop um and and that was really weird and we couldn't work it out and we tried like a lot of things to try and work it out and I'm like it's weird like I don't know know what to say like if there's not someone in there I don't know how that would happen and we're there at like we kind of debunked everything else and we were sort of just waiting out the clock to do our due diligence of having visited and um all of a sudden start hearing this this sort of a humming and some some banging from this this room where they hear the voices and went and opened the door and it stopped, closed the door again, started up again. Uh, so strange. Could not work out what it was. Happened to look out the window, maybe a hundred meters up the street was a, a guy with like a bakery truck and he was unloading bread for the supermarket. And what we were hearing was him humming and taking the bread off of the truck. But because of some weird acoustic thing, it sounded like it was in that room. Um, and, and it's very easy to see how people would never, like, if we hadn't been there in the middle of the night, we wouldn't have worked it out because there would have been too many other noises and, and things. Uh, but so very easy to work out how people think that it's a ghost because they, to, they, to me, there's no logical explanation except mm. that there is one. Um, it's just a really, really strange one. And, um, that to me was always my favorite part of when we were, we don't do it much nowadays. We all have kids. Um, but that was my favorite uh, part of, of being, I guess, a ghost hunter was kind of solving these really uh, like complex puzzles um, and trying to try to debunk the, the ghost side of things. Um, <laughs> as much as I would love to see a ghost, uh, that was kind of my favorite aspect of, of that kind of job. And I think, I think that is like, a kind of a Ghostbusters-y way to be. Like that they they did go in, especially Peter initially, go in quite skeptically. Until they see a ghost, they, uh, he wasn't a true believer. But okay. then he also changed his mind. He saw a ghost, he's like, okay, I guess they're real. And it's true, yeah. I think, I think a lot of people are that way. They're like, that can't be real until they see it. And then they're just like, oh. Um, because even in like the second movie, the, the, the judge starting is like ghosts aren't real you guys yeah. are charlatans you're nuts and then 
Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what was the marshmallow man? <laughs> yeah, didn't you didn't you see the whole thing? There was marshmallow yeah. through like ten blocks of the city afterwards. Are you yeah, sure it wasn't real? Yeah. Yeah, that scene um, is a weird one, isn't it? Because maybe he didn't live in New York. Like maybe he time. didn't. Yeah. Um, but it's it's an odd one. Like, how do you like it's right there? <laughs> like, how do you ignore that? That. I mean, like they do preface the fall of the Ghostbusters to the fact that they blew up a building, they got sued by a bunch of people for yeah. endangering people and you know property destruction, all this kind of stuff. And because the the thing that was creating and making the ghosts and the the apparitions unsettled got you know taken out, there were no ghosts anymore. Yeah, they're gone now. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, anybody, it, it was only five years. It would have been international news. People would have, I'm assuming at least one reporter, like there was no smartphones at the time, so I get it. But at least a reporter or somebody would have had a camera and taken a picture of this thing oh, and that it existed. So, and that there, was, and like, that there was huge amounts of marshmallow that needed to be cleaned up afterwards. Like it wasn't, a, <laughs> it wasn't going to be a small job. Um, and I, and I, I think they do kind of do that. Like they, and maybe this is how we are as people a little bit. Like we, we do kind of ignore things that are hitting us in the face sometimes um, that with the birthday parties, they, they say, Oh, in another year, they won't even remember who we were that maybe a year before their birthday parties were a bit more successful. Like, yeah. and, and maybe, because they were heroes for a while, and then that's just, that's dropped off. And as that's dropped off, people have started to bring out their books, Why the Ghostbusters are Frauds. Uh, like, the conversation has changed as the, because there aren't, like say, there are no more ghosts. Um, yeah. I just think in that scene, um, it's more the mother, the mothers are like, oh my God, it's the Ghostbusters. You should be excited about this. Like, they're not like, you know, excited about Ghostbusters. We're like, Ghostbusters are actual heroes. They're here. You should be excited too. But a I mean, but a seven-year-old was two years old when that happened. They're not mm -hmm. going to remember, but like they're saying, He-Man's on TV and he's a real hero. So, yeah. you know, that might be part of it too. And I mean, there are people right now that believe that the earth is flat. So that, <laughs> like, there are people that will ignore evidence of a giant marshmallow man. And, yeah. and obviously that judge was one of them. So obviously, obviously, until the ghosts show up and try to kill him. And then he's like, you have to save me. And they're like, why? You don't believe they exist. So they shouldn't hurt you. What's the big deal? Uh, that, that scene is so good. Um, that court scene. I like that whole scene is really nice. Um, uh, Lewis is hilarious when he just it clearly has is so out of his depth and um, Peter's kind of coaxing him like coaching him through what he needs to say but the scene where the as the judge gets more and more angry and the bubbles start to come up in the the thing like the tension is so good and he's just getting angrier and angrier and the bubbles are going up and up and you know something's about to happen but you're not quite sure when it's gonna go pop um yeah i absolutely love that scene yeah in, it's in great yeah it's it's yeah. awesome and i think it's the it's the cutting back and forth between the judge the goo and the ghostbusters it's like it was like just the proper like transitions back and forth because they do that like i want to say like nine cuts oh in yeah that yeah. scene you know and you're like that seems like a lot 
to build it up, but they do it so well that it's yeah. great because it's 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 the judge yelling. Then I think it's the Ghostbusters, and they're like, "Hey, look at the the goo," and then you see the goo. And then you go back to them. Then you go to the judge who's still yelling. Then you go back to the goo and they're like, judge, maybe you should. And he's like, shut up. You know, they go back to the goo. They duck and it goes back to the judge just screaming and explosion. And you're just like, that is a proper build attention. That is just that is a good sequence like the whole time. Maybe that scene's also because we've seen a lot of the slime at that stage but maybe we've only seen one scene before about the mood properties of the slime and that the toaster scene um, with that kind of, we see that positive emotions affect the toaster. Um, So I think as well, it's also a really good scene of reminding us how the slime works, like that it is this emotion thing. And then as it goes on, we must've seen it when they were in, no, we saw them take the slime, but they haven't been back underground yet either. So yeah, this is the second time that we, we really see how the slime works. And um, I think that's really, they do a good job in the movie of explaining that to you. Mm-hmm. Um, when they, after that, when they go back into the, into the sewers and they fall into it and then they come out and they're all angry and they're hitting, hitting each other. Um, again, they're kind of reminding us about how the slime works. Mm-hmm. And then later on that sets up the Statue of Liberty stuff, but then it also sets up like when they shoot a character that we haven't even talked about yet, they shoot Janosch. With the um, with the slime as well, yeah. Um, and then Ray, once he gets possessed, they shoot him with the slime. Like they really do a good job of setting up. This is the what the slime does, and this is how it works in our world. Um, and I don't think I quite realized how well they did that until I started paying more attention to it. Yeah, um, it's in very small pieces that they just drop. You know, here's information about the slime, and then yeah. how we're gonna end up using it throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then also slime just makes ghosts. Like that's yeah. the other aspect <laughs> of the slime that's that's kind of unrelated. Like the slime can take over a baby carriage or a bath or a lady's coat. Um, it it kind of can also do any ghosty thing that you want it to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Talking about um, Peter McNichol. Um, he does a great job as Janusz. Like, I don't, like, (laughs) I think it's, he's complete, like, his, like, I don't know what country's accent that's supposed to be, but that accent is kind of ridiculous, but also good. Like, it's very much, I feel like it's a Borat thing where it's not one place, like, it's this odd, it sounds foreign, and so, and we don't know it, like, uh, actually, uh, me and my wife, Sally, when we were watching the movie, we we talked about the fact that in the eighties, that seemed to be a bit of a thing, like the Eastern European. Um, so, and, and say an American actor playing an Eastern European character seemed to be a bit of a thing. And there were things like, um, oh, uh, what's the, what's the the show with with Balky? Uh, Perfect uh, Strangers, yeah. Perfect Strangers, like there was that, and there were we came up with other examples. I can't. They were blanking well, now. I mean. I mean, the guy who played Balky did it on Perfect Strangers, but he also showed up in um, Beverly Hills Cop in like an art gallery. And oh, really? It's, yeah. a, it's a slightly different accent, but it's, yeah. it's sort of that like random Eastern European accent, but he's cooler, yeah. you know, which I always thought was weird. I'm just like, are you just like cool, Balky, or, or what's happening here? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I feel like it was, yeah, it was definitely a thing. And then it kind of went away. 
And it hasn't really come back, but I feel like Borat is kind of the the end, ever the final evolution of of those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think because maybe it is a little bit offensive, like it maybe, but like Borat recognizes that it's offensive and it owns it. Um, mm-hmm. I I feel like those eighties ones maybe they didn't really recognize it, but it was also like it's clearly good humored. It's not. It's not meant to be mean spirited or anything mm. like that. It's just like, hey, he's got a bit of a funny, funny voice, and he's from somewhere. And- yeah, and that's the thing. Like, they don't actually identify where he's supposed to be from, which also what? reduces the stigma that it could cause. You know, like, like no, no, this is an accent from. I don't. I don't know. Um, and and adds to. I guess. Although we kind of we do know that I think they say that he's uh, Moldavian, the Vigo, uh, but certainly Vigo is a bit mysterious too. Like he's, Car- he's like, Carpathian. Yes, I think yeah. they say both um, in, during the movie. But again, yeah. it, he's a bit mysterious. Like he's hmm. like um, he's from somewhere in Eastern Europe, and I, I feel like it's they kind of connect the two together that way. That yeah. We assume that he's brought the painting over or, or something, I, I, I guess. They never really say. Um, well, they say it was in the basement of the museum for a while and they brought it up uh, to restore it. But yes, who knows yeah. how long it's been there or, or what. Yeah. yeah. The, the restoration thing. So Dana, her new job at Ghostbusters 2 is restoring very valuable paintings. Um her job in the first one is she's a, a member of the orchestra. Yep. She's um, a cellist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She seems to have a very unique set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, it made no sense to me either because even... Um, so it, it actually turns out, like, that's her part-time job while she's taking care of her baby. Yes. Um, and she's like, my baby's getting bigger, so I'm going to go back to the orchestra. And I was just like, wait a second. You can get a part-time job in a prestigious museum, like cleaning and fixing priceless works of art? I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. It does okay. Like, she had that pretty nice apartment in the first movie. The mm-hmm. second apartment seems to be fairly nice. She has a nanny. Uh, we only see her very, very briefly at the beginning of the movie, but she has a nanny as well, um, which just seemed like an odd thing to include like because she adds nothing to the story and yeah. she's never in it again um and then later on they need to get a babysitter like why not ask the nanny yeah your nanny still exists you could just call yeah. her over yes yeah. yeah, it's just, just you're just at peter's house like um <laughs> but yeah so i found that really weird like i don't know why they included the nanny it just seems like it there was, she was no reason for that she needed to be there for that scene where they come to look at the baby, like that could have all just been Dana. Like, I don't, yeah. I didn't really. Yeah. She was just home hanging out. So she could just been hanging out with her baby and they show up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, the, like did the nanny have a bigger role at some point? And then they were like, it would be better to have Janine and Lewis. I, I mean, that the, was the better choice easily. But, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just seemed like such an odd thing that she was like, oh, we wouldn't be able to get a babysitter. I'm like, you have a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> I know the things that you think of watching this, especially as a, like, as a kid, you're just like, oh, she's got a nanny, whatever. Yeah. Oh, no, she doesn't have anybody to take care of her kid. You just don't think about it. But as an adult, practicality, you're just like, 
you have a nanny, call your nanny. What's the big deal? And I think this is maybe the first time I ne- I've ever watched the movies as not just for entertainment. Like mm-hmm. I knew I was talking to you about it. Um, and like, I think, like I know the movies really well, but I was like, I'm going to rewatch them. I want to rewatch them. So they're fresh in my mind. And I think I watched them in a different way to mm-hmm. the way that I've previously watched them. And in some ways that's really cool. But in some ways I was like, this, this doesn't make sense. And I kind of, <laughs> I, I don't enjoy that. It doesn't make sense. Like I'm like, yeah. no, Ghostbusters 2 is a perfect movie. This is, this can't be right. <laughs> Yeah, one thing I've realized uh, rewatching all of these is like, it's there are certain movies like I did Fifth Element, for example, and it's a movie I love. Like, I just love watching this movie. I watch it a ridiculous amount of times. No one like the back of my hand. Everything's fine. But like watching it for the podcast was very frustrating because I'm like, I have to actively like look at scenes and how it's structured and pick out things and whatever. And, and I'm, I'm like looking at it. And I'm just like, why is Lilo's bandages like that? Doesn't make any sense. Why is her hair orange? Like what's up with that guy? Didn't that guy just die in a fridge? How come he shows back up over here? None of this makes any sense. And then I just stopped taking notes so I can enjoy the movie. Like I just yes. flat out stopped taking notes. Cause I was like, I can't do this. Stop ripping it apart. Just watch the movie. And that's what happened. And I think with you, that's probably what happened with like Ghostbusters too. You're just like, I just need to watch this. This is just going to be fun. Yeah. And I don't think that it's going to ruin my future watchings of it because, again, I won't be watching it that way necessarily. Mm. But certainly when I looked at it critically in maybe a more critical way, I just focused on those things that I hadn't focused on before. Like the we mentioned the mar- the marshmallows being a reoccurring thing. Like I, I just had never noticed it before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cool. Like it was. It, I feel like I know the movies better than I knew them before, which as like I would call myself a pretty big Ghostbusters fan, that's cool. I think like, it's cool to know that I know these things about the movies that I didn't know yesterday, uh, like before I watched them, but yeah, but it's, it's interesting. It's, it's just, it's, it's yeah. I never looked at them that way before the Ghostbusters to me were always just those movies that I love from when I was a kid. And I still love them as much as I've always loved them. Um, And I still do, even if Peter's a little bit creepier than I remembered him. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Well, even in the second movie during the trial and the um, the other lawyers trying to cross-examine him and he's like, look, kitten. I was, yeah. I, that made me so angry. I was so mad. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are, what are you doing? She's a lawyer. She's a professional. And yeah. I know you've degraded other people and I guess they were men who kind of deserved it. Like even in the first movie, um, the, the, the EPA guy, um, who for no reason Man, hates the Ghostbusters. He's, he always plays a dick in every single movie he's in. What's up with that? Um, but he's just like, you know, like this man is dickless. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. But I think it's because he was an asshole where she was not being rude. She wasn't being mean. She was cross-examining and asking him a plain question. And he's like, well, kitten. I was like, no, that's not acceptable. Not acceptable at all. And I feel like his treatment of women in the second one because most of his interactions with women are with Dana and they have had a previous relationship at this point. So it didn't feel as creepy in the second one to me as it did in the first one. Mm Because in the first one, he's just met this lady and like he's all over her and being creepy. And and in his 
defense when she's possessed and there was an opportunity to sleep with her. He chooses not to. So he's not all bad. Like that there are, he has redeeming moments. I mean, mm-hmm. he does then kiss her on the neck afterwards, which is a bit creepy, but like he, he has some redeeming moments, but I think he wasn't, didn't feel as bad in the second one because she must, they've had a relationship. They, she clearly likes him. It's not unwanted attention necessarily in mm-hmm. the, in the second movie. Whereas in the first movie for a lot of it, it feels pretty unwanted. Yeah. Uh, like it's just like who's this cricket that keeps coming over to my house and, <laughs> and just hanging out and checking things and keeps overly talking to me like it's nuts yeah. Uh, yeah it's true and in the second movie even though they had been estranged from each other for a while like you know they had a relationship they broke up she got married um, uh, separated but had a kid with this man and is back in New York um, and they see each other and they're just like Oh, it wasn't a breakup out of I hate you. It was more of a circumstantial breakup. So like there is still that connection between them. So seeing him still like fawn over her is okay. And she she like it's clear that she likes it more in this one compared to the first one. Yeah, definitely. That's the the big difference. And it, even that she she says in the second one, she recognizes that he's bad for her. Like that he, like that he's maybe not um, the best. Uh, the two things that I was thinking of as we were talking in the first one when he first comes over to her house and he has that machine and he just like squeezes it and it just like sprays air and then she's she says something along the lines of "Are you sure you're using that correctly?" and he goes, "Well, yeah, I think so." <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and, and that that was one of my favorite favorite lines. Uh, but the other thing I thought of is is the baby Oscar. Um, is, is, I guess, the other big character in the second one that we haven't really mentioned. He's super cute. Uh, maybe I'm just biased because I realise he looks an awful lot like my son as I was watching the movie. Um, and Oscar was actually on the table as a baby name. And I don't know if Sally recognised it, but it was because of Ghostbusters too. That's why I suggested... Oh, that's amazing. Um, we, so for the listeners, uh, we ended up going with Peter... Um, not Peter Venkman, um, but Peter Parker. So, um, but I've also realized there's a lot of really cool pop culture Peters since, um, we named him as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Oscar, uh, that, the baby does a really good job or the yeah. babies. There's two of them. It's yeah. twins. Yeah. And I realized too, like watching this, I'm like, that baby's so cute. And I'm like, that baby is 32. What are you yeah. talking about? Like <laughs> they say he's nine months old and then he's like standing up and, and because having a baby is very recent to me, like. He wasn't standing up like that when he was nine months old. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I do like I do like the second movie a lot, um, and I do like all of the characters. Like I even like 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 um, what's his name? Uh, Vigo the Carpathian. Even yeah. as like a bad guy, he doesn't do that much. He's just in a painting, and he's just ominous. You know, does a great job. Like it's like he's good as that. Good. Yeah as well absolutely gorgeous hair when he's yeah. canteen perfect um it's yeah. kind of flowing in the wind um yeah yeah the yeah. funny thing is the guy who plays that is um norbert groupie 
Um, I I know this because I decided to look up, like a thing I do is I, I try to look up like if any of these, uh, like especially the quote unquote unknown people have done anything else to see if like, oh, I've actually seen them in other things. He didn't, he didn't do that much. But apparently this guy is a horrible person in general. I've heard that too. I, yeah. I haven't looked into the details. And actually yesterday after I watched the movie, I was like, I should see if there's a YouTube video or something on him because I've heard that he's an awful person. But I have no idea about any of the details yeah. surrounding or yeah. Yeah, I found this Deadspin article about him. <laughs> and um, one of the lines is uh, Norbert Krupp, a Nazi soldier's son, boxer, professional wrestler, failed actor, criminal, and miserable human being. I'm like, yeah. is is that where <laughs> like th- I guess he's good at playing the bad guy? Like maybe that's why I we think he did such a good guy. job, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so and yeah. That- it's always hard when you find those things out about characters that you like and, and things is then you have to make the choice about whether how that impacts you enjoying the, the movie or whatever going forward. Um, I think for a lot of people, there was, there was sort of the, the Kevin Spacey type moments where all of a sudden you have to go back and maybe reassess some of the movies that you, you like. And yeah. I, Part, maybe part of why I haven't looked more into why that guy was considered, because I've heard that many times that he's like a really like he's, he's really nasty dude um but i've never looked it up which to me seems really strange because usually i'm curious and i would want to know more and i wonder if that's part of me just like protecting myself i'll be like no i don't want to reassess this movie like i'm just gonna enjoy it for what for what it is um, i don't I, want to know what yeah i think the thing about him though uh he played the bad guy and yeah. I'm kind of okay continuing to hate him. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's fine, right? And just because you're evil doesn't mean you can't have gorgeous hair. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> true. Like, he steps out of the painting and it's like, his hair's just blowing in the wind and you're just like, oh, wow. Like, Vidal Sassoon. Like, love it. It's very, it's very there's, good. There's some great hair across the movies, too. So, Egon is the obvious standout. Yeah. Especially I, I think he gets an extra foot of hair between one and two. Like his hair is tall in Ghostbusters one, but in Ghostbusters two, it's massive. Like, um, well, I think that has to do with the cartoon because in the cartoon, he's got this like he's first of all bleach blonde for some reason, but his hair is high and has this like swirling cone coming out of the front yeah. of it. And, and a I think, bit of a um, yeah, as well. and maybe they were like trying to like emulate that look still with and he was just like he can't bleach it but i'll make yeah. it higher you know yeah no, i th- i think you're right and um i think i wonder if some of that was to make them read better in animation so they stood out more against each other because i mean they're kind of three generic white guys uh because i i think ray does the worst like He's way chubbier in the cartoon than he ever is in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, I felt like that was a bit unfair. And then Peter, who's a bit of a schlubby guy, is a lot more handsome in the cartoons, I think, mm-hmm. than, than he yeah. was in the, the movies. And Egon is is taller. Like, he's taller in the show, but he's also a lot skinnier, right? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, in the movies, more. in the movies, they're all about the same size, except Egon's yeah. a little bit taller than them. And it's true, like they're like if in a cartoon you just saw that, you'd be like, which one is it again? Who who's that yeah. one? You know, like they'd have to have giant <laughs> name tags so everybody would know. They have different color uniforms, I think, as well. Uh to, to maybe make them stand out a little bit more in the cartoon yeah. as well. Yeah. Um 
did you, you you watch the cartoon growing up? I watched the, both of the cartoons growing up. Yeah. So I've only just recently discovered. Like I knew about Extreme Ghostbusters, but I've never seen it. I don't think it was really a thing here. But um, I've so YouTube just recently have started the official Ghostbusters channel is adding a new episode of Real Ghostbusters and a new episode of Extreme Ghostbusters each week. Um, and I've been watching Extreme Ghostbusters, and it's really good. It's like a nineties. Uh, slightly edgy Ghostbusters cartoon. Um, I have edit. never seen Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's a follow-up. So it's a sequel to Real Ghostbusters. And it, like Egon's in it, and he's kind of like their mentor, um, and he teaches the class that the the four new Ghostbusters join. And Janine is in it. Um, I haven't seen any of the other Ghostbusters yet, but I feel like they will make an appearance. Uh, Ed Slimer is in it as well. Well, it says here there's only... Um... What did this say? There's only 40 episodes and it was made in 1997. Yeah. So I don't think it was really a thing here. At least I wasn't, I've heard of it, but I don't think it ever really aired here, but it's, it's worth a watch. And like I say, totally free on YouTube. I will uh, check th- that. I will check out for sure. Yeah. It's the, it's the hot tip. I mean, me and my son have been watching the new episode of real ghostbusters and the new episode of extreme ghostbusters each week as they come out. So it's, nice. it's kind of a, a fun thing to do uh, because very, very big thing, the cartoon and the toys and all of that side of things was really a big deal for me as a kid. Mm. It was one, like it was, there were things like He-Man and other stuff. I, I think I like ghostbusters like even more. It was, that was my jam. So yeah. I love, I loved Shira growing up, but do not oh, yeah. rewatch He-Man or Shira or, the Thundercats, they are He-Man. brutal. Yeah, it doesn't hold up well. Ghostbusters yeah. holds up a lot better. The Ghostbusters cartoon holds up much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I feel like it was a show that kids could watch, but it was maybe aimed slightly more mature anyway. Um, and being about ghosts and stuff, probably that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the Ghostbusters cartoon shows, uh, it holds up pretty well. And the extreme Ghostbusters especially is, I mean, it's, no, it's pretty 90s. There was one specific comment where a guy's coming on to a girl and someone is like, oh, a bit creepy dude. And he's like, what? She's legal. That felt like a very 90s. It felt like a very 90s inclusion that you wouldn't see in a cartoon today. That <laughs> is wrong. Oh, but my overall, God. the okay. cartoon is good. <laughs> it's just that particular. I think the <laughs> 90s kind of has some issues with that sort of stuff. But. Um, yeah okay that's wow wow okay yeah i will have to check that one out then if it's if it's available um for sure uh so well since we're talking about all of the other things around ghostbusters what did you think of the quote-unquote female remake i liked it um i I went into it knowing that I'm probably never going to like it as much as I like the originals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. Like I, I didn't really expect to, I don't have the nostalgia that was never going to happen. Um, it could be the best movie of all time. And I still probably wouldn't like it as much. Uh, but overall, I, I thought it was a pretty fun movie. I, I haven't seen it recently. I saw it at the cinema uh, twice. I saw it uh, with my wife on a, on a date and then I got to see it again through work. So that worked out really, really well. But um, I really enjoyed it just for what it was. It was just a fun kind of dumb, silly movie. Uh, I, I think there's things it could have done better. Uh, I think that they, 
I feel like maybe they played it a bit too safe and maybe that they could have went into those the women a bit more. Like, they're, they're all really funny and I think that they could have maybe let that go a bit further. Um, the I forget her name, but basically she was kind of the female Egon. Um, she, <laughs> she was really funny and um, I felt like they could have let the other characters maybe go a bit further as, as well. Um, but the thing that I, the main thing that I took away from it, and maybe it's why it, it still holds kind of a nice place in my heart, is when I saw it, one, I was shocked at how many kids were there because I don't really think of it as being a particularly kid movie. Mm-hmm. And if anything, it probably feels a little bit more adult than the older ones did, but maybe that's just my modern sensibilities. But there were a lot of kids there. And at the end, when the Ghostbusters theme were playing, there were kids dancing in the aisles. Like they were dancing <laughs> Ghostbusters. And those kids, I think, are going to go on to love Ghostbusters. So I can't begrudge that movie. It, like, I feel like that's their Ghostbusters. And, and I was totally okay with that. Uh, my nephew is a mad Ghostbusters fan. I have no idea how he even got into Ghostbusters. Well, I'm sure it wouldn't have happened had the, that female remake not, not have happened. So I think it, it's important. Um, and I liked it for what it is. I haven't watched it recently. So it's hard for me to remember much of the details of it. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, I think it was, it was all right. I don't know. What, yeah. did, what did you? Yeah, yeah, no, I actually thought it was pretty decent as well. Like I, I love Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. Um, I have a soft spot for Kate McKinnon um, and um, uh, Leslie Jones. Uh, so I was like, I was down for the cast. Like I was down for it and I was, I was going to go watch it. And I saw it once in the theater and then I saw it once when it came on, it came on demand here and I just watched it on TV because it was one of those movies where I watched and I was like, I kind of enjoyed it, but eh, you know, and then I watched it a second time and I like, I actually liked it more the second time I watched mm. it. But my one complaint is there post-production on their ghosts i hate it i think they're ugly like i think the ghosts yeah. like how they did it is just hideous like yeah, they- it didn't have that kind of charm that i think the that they didn't quite nail that kind of mix between cartoony and and realistic that the, the original ones did I yeah think, better um Another standout for me in that movie, Chris Hemsworth, I thought was really good. It's nice to see him get to do comedy because he, uh, I mean, more recently with Thor, he's kind of gone that way as well. But traditionally back then we didn't see a lot of comedy from Chris Hemsworth. Mm. And I think he's pretty funny. Like, yeah, and it was a great good, job. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see a bit more of that um, come out in that movie. Like I say, overall, I think it was good. I think you could tell it was a bit edited, like it was a bit chopped up. It mm. wasn't maybe 100%. And maybe some of that's the way that um, it's Paul Feig, isn't it? The director of that movie, like that he yeah, directs those movies. He does a lot of improvisation. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there were times when the editing felt a bit weird in it for me from, from memory. Um, and you can think, tell that they changed the end scenes, I think mm-hmm. had changed a bit across the, like even some of the stuff that you see in the end credits wasn't in the movie. So I wonder if they changed the ending quite a bit, but like overall, I thought it was, it was, it certainly wasn't a bad movie. Like, no, and, it definitely and, wasn't. Yeah. And certainly people that were saying that it took away from the prestige or whatever of the brand, I just, I, I mean, I don't buy that shit. Like, yeah. like at worst, you don't enjoy the movie. Go back and watch the old ones. Like it doesn't yeah. hurt. It doesn't hurt them, but it certainly brought it back. Ghostbusters back into the attention of people again. Mm-hmm. And, well, I think, I think it did the franchise justice, you know, yeah. 
But one of the things that frustrated me a lot about it was um, my same friend who was is obsessed with with Ghostbusters and stuff. He was all angry about it. He's like, why are there going to be chicks in this? There's no need to remake Ghostbusters. Like, that's just stupid. Right. That was his first thing. And I was just like, fine. He's obsessed with Ghostbusters. Let him be in his space. But the thing that bothered me the most about it is that when the movie came out um, and he his arguments were all based on trailers, I don't even know if he's ever actually watched the movie. But he was all he was all angry when watching the trailers. He's like, why does everything look the same? Like their jumpsuits are the same. Their proton packs look almost the same. Like, why are these the same? But then anything that was even the slightest bit different, he was just like, why is that different? Like they did it perfectly in the other Ghostbusters. I'm like, what do you want them to do exactly? Like it's yes, it is based on something that already exists. So they're going to pay homage to it or parts of it are going to like be the same but of course they're going to update certain areas like that's just how it's going to be and i think no matter what they put out there it could have been oscar winning it could be the best movie ever made and he would have been like that's garbage no matter what so I, I, I think you're right and i think that's sometimes the problem with fandoms and i think this that, that's a way to take it for, for me it's that at worst i don't enjoy it i still enjoy the old aspects that i used to enjoy that that's mm. not going to um, I'm a Spider-Man fan. How many Spider-Men have we had in the last few years? I'm pretty used to that as well. So maybe that's why I don't really didn't really care. Um, that said, I'm really excited for the new Ghostbusters and the fact that it does take place in the same universe as originals. Um, but but there's no reason both can't exist. Like yeah. for me, yeah, we we can have both. Um, hopefully that movie one day comes out because it's been delayed like so many times. times. Yeah. Um, to me, maybe that's a good sign that they don't want to just chuck it out on a streaming service, that they think it's a good movie and that they want to get their money's worth it back out of it. Um, I'm hoping that that's a good sign for it. Um, I mean, the uh, the director, he, he directed Juno. It was a fantastic film. So I'm hoping, and, and a lot of other good movies too, so I'm hoping that it's good. I, yeah. I'm really hopeful that it's going to be good. And, and like I say, the fact that they haven't snuck it out onto some streaming service gives me hope that it's good. And they, they, they're like, we've got something good here and we want to get it out at the cinema. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, sorry, I'm going to go back to the Ghostbusters female edition. Like, yeah, yeah. I think one of the reasons why I like the movie as well is that um, even though they're female versions of the Ghostbusters, they pay proper attention to the original characters being brought over to being female you know yeah. and like they pay they don't make them completely different they're like no no this right. is this is the this is a character who's based on on ray or this is the character who's based on venkman this is the character who's based on egon and, and they they keep those the the base of their characters the same and yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I actually really like it is that they didn't just throw it away and be like, no, they're female Ghostbusters, but it has nothing to do with the original one. Like they they kept it in there. And I think the the other thing that puts it together is the fact that um, almost everybody from Ghostbusters shows up, you know, in yes. there, which I, I loved. I loved seeing everybody again. They were and different was, characters, but yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, but I, I think there's the same with the. I, I, again, it's been a while since I watched. It. I don't remember the, the their names very well. But the the sort of the for lack of a better word, the female Winston. She was that kind of still the every, every man character, and yeah. I think she was a lot broader. Like the comedy was a lot broader. But I think overall that movie was broader. Like the the comedy, the original Ghostbusters is. It's uh, what's it's quite restrained in its comedy, whereas mm-hmm. I felt like that movie, the comedy was bigger in, in, in that Ghostbusters. And that was nice. Like, I, again, I think it was a good way to differentiate the two. Like, they, mm-hmm. it felt like a different version of Ghostbusters. But like you say, it kept those key elements that were important. Um, it didn't change them for no reason. It like, didn't just change things for no reason. It kept the packs. It kept the car. They were different, and they were their own spin on them. But people expect those things, and, and they gave the them those things and yeah, yeah. I th- like I say I think I, I know that it's contentious but I, I think it's a pretty good film and I, I think it fits in well with the rest of the Ghostbusters stuff um, so do I like I, I completely agree with you like I, I I'm not sure why people hate it so much you know yeah. but I think that is again like a fandom slash purist slash sexist thing why they hate it like people automatically are just like what do you mean female ghostbusters and they're just like screw this you know like yeah. this, this there's is not, not a one thing reason I- that people hate it yeah. there's 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 I think there's a few different reasons that people hate it um and there's maybe a bit of crossover between those groups mm-hmm. um but yeah. For me, it's good. Um, uh, and I know that it's been generally, I think it's accepted. It's, it's part of Ghostbusters. Uh, so I know that the the comic books had a crossover between the two teams. Ooh, I didn't um, know that. So the team and the uh, the original team. Uh, they also had a crossover between the real Ghostbusters and the original team. I did know uh, that. And Ninja Turtles. And I think Transformers at this point. Um, so the, there's, been, there's been a few. Um, I don't know maybe we go too far away from, from the the Ghostbusters canon, I suppose. But I don't know how much you've had a chance to read the comics, but they're they're also really, really good. Um, um I haven't read that many of them. Like when I say not that many, I mean like five. Yeah. Uh so so really not that many. Um but I think uh one of them was one of the crossover ones. Yeah. Um, I got it. I got it in like a bin somewhere for like two. I was like, what? You know, yeah. found it. I was like, I got to read this. And I did. But this was like years and years and years ago. Uh, so I remember very little about it. Um, but yeah, like I like I know they exist, but yeah, they were never really on my like buy list and have to read list. Yeah. And I think the crossovers, at least the crossovers I've read. So I haven't read the, the crossover with the with the um, remake team, but the crossovers were OK. But the main um, the main series was really really good. I felt like they got the voices of the characters really really um, well done, and they like you read the comic and you're reading it with their voices kind of in in your head. Uh, there were lots of little cool things like um, I forget exactly what why there was, but there's like one of them is hallucinating. I, I'm gonna assume it was Ray, and he's hallucinating like the Blues Brothers. Um and, and so there's like cool little little things like that in there. Um, so there was the also the video game, uh, yeah. the, on the PlayStation where you played the like the rookie and he joined up with all the new Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, he's alluded to in the comics as well. Like he's he's someone that 
that came through. So it they did a really good job of kind of pulling all those things together. And um, yeah, they they they're well worth a read if you ever get the opportunity. Um, I'd they're some of the better movie kind of comics that I've read. Nice. Um, speaking of the video game, the video game I played was the one that was based on Ghostbusters 2. And the scene that I remember the most out of that video game, which used to frustrate me, was when you had to get the sample of the ooze and you're hanging from the string. But the thing is, it's the 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 ooze river would come out and like swipe at you and like get you. And I yeah. would always get it like get knocked into the, the ooze uh, when you're dead and that's a that's a part of the video game that's in my brain yeah i played a lot of the the sega master system uh ghostbusters one game which was as a kid it was way too hard for a kid to work out how to play it but it was kind of it's really cool i like i appreciate it now like you go around town catching ghosts to try and get enough money to like upgrade your car and your equipment and and stuff which feels really ghostbusty see like that you've got to make money for doing these jobs um but there was also like a ghostbusters game on i want to say it was on the ps2 or ps3 um that all of the all of the cast came back and did the voices for and um it was written by i think dan Aykroyd and harold ramus and it basically feels like ghostbusters 3 the but it's a game um but yeah all of the cast is back uh, Bill Murray kind of maybe feels like he's phoning it in a little bit, but the other guys are, are really on, on their games. And you play, like, the new Ghostbuster that they've just hired. So, like, you're basically the new Winston. Um, Winston's there, but he's, like, a he's a proper Ghostbuster now. And uh, you go on this adventure uh, where basically all of the ghosts get out. So you it gives you an excuse to go catch Slimer again and the Marshmallow Man. But it basically ends with the Ghostbusters going to hell and um having to like fight their way out of hell and um it's really fantastic like it's it's actually a real a really good game um it may be one of those things where i don't know whether playing the game is worthwhile at this point but you could probably watch the cinematics on youtube and get the get the same effect but yeah it's a it's a i remember when it came out just being like so excited to hear all of them chatting and it and it's new like it's not stuff that i'd heard before it was new ghostbusters um, and it was before Harold Ramis passed away. So you got like the proper Egon and, and everything as, as well. Um, very, very cool game. Um, and just for the story alone, just to get to have that bit more of, um, just to spend a little bit more time with those guys as the Ghostbusters was really fun. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a very cool game. I, I'll find, see if I can find what the title is. I think uh, it was recently like, remade on the, so newer, it's on, available on newer consoles too. So yeah, it's. Uh, I'm trying to think, and that also reminded me of um, another kind of weird addition to the Ghostbusters canon that I just recently rediscovered. Um, I was watching Casper. Do you remember the live action Casper yeah. movie? Um, and I had totally forgotten that that Ray is in that movie as Ray. Yeah. So so Dan Aykroyd is in the movie um, in his Ghostbusters uniform. He has a mustache which is a little strange, um, but he's totally, he's totally um, Ray and they're trying to get rid of the ghosts. So they call like all of these different people to come and try and get rid of the ghosts. And one of them is Ray for Ghostbusters. And he comes, at, he comes running out because the, the bad ghosts have scared him. And he says, who are you going to call? Someone else. And then he runs off. And that's like his whole, 
Uh, I, I, it was it was a pleasant surprise watching the live action version of Casper. Kind of rediscover that. I mean, I, I haven't watched that maybe in like 15 years. Like it's been a really long time since I watched that. So I'm not surprised I forgot, but that is a fun little tidbit to, to yeah, that's definitely part of the Ghostbusters canon, I think. I think it's it's part of their line. It's like, it's, you know, after Ghostbusters 2, uh, the ghosts have gone again, things are falling apart and he's just working on his own, just, just out there. Definitely. Casper... Confirmed as canon for the Ghostbusters franchise. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what a, what a little surprise. Like, I just had totally, I, I, again, I hadn't seen those movies. Like, I liked Casper, I think, when it came out, but I was a kid and that was the last time I'd seen it. Like, yeah, uh, um, yeah it was really, it was just a fun little Easter egg that, that was in there that um, I'd never heard anyone talk about because, I mean, I guess there's not a lot of people talking about the live action Casper. Not point. anymore, no. It's a big deal when it came out, but uh, maybe not so much now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, well, one fun thing, uh, but you also have another like connection with like collectibles and shows and, and things like Ghostbusters is that you do um, like uh, action figure photography, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if cool is the word that people are using <laughs> to describe it. Um, dorky weird uh maybe probably adjectives i hear thrown around more but um but no i i really enjoy it and it's a thing that i kind of so i've always collected toys and i've always collected action figures um but i I've kind of always taken photos of them but just to kind of it was more of a way of showing what i had it wasn't it didn't wasn't really anything meaningful and then it just started out with me taking some pictures of toys in kind of trying to make it look more like a scene. Um, I built like a, uh, a, maybe it's slightly offensive, a nativity scene with action figures. Um, and um, that was kind of the beginnings of that. And then took some photos of that. And that led to me kind of maybe trying to take better photos and, and um, focusing a bit more on my photography. I've, I've always been interested in it, but I've never been what I would call a photographer by any means. Um, and that led to me, yeah, just to say to take more detailed, more, complex photos of of um of toys and then i found out that a whole bunch of other people do it like it's 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 totally this thing um and i i believe i might be the only person in tasmania that's doing it um i'm holding on to that badge for for now but it's certainly not that unique like there's far more of it going on than than i ever realized until i kind of stepped into that into that world um and it's been really interesting i've learned a lot about photography uh going back to ghostbusters I did this uh, event called October a little while ago where um, basically there was a theme every single day of October that you had to take a photo, a toy photo for it. And um, one of them was a, something to do with ghosts. And I was getting a bit bored because my photography skills were kind of starting to max out. And I felt like all my photos were starting to look a bit the same. So I said, no, I'm going to learn something totally new. Um, I learned how to do it. Have you ever heard of Pepper's Ghost? It's- uh, no. It's like an effect where you uh, kind of cast a reflection onto a piece of clean glass so that it looks like there's a ghost next to your actual scene. Oh, you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have I have seen it and I have heard it described. I just never heard the term for it. Yeah, so I think Pepper's ghost is maybe he's the person that originated the technique, I suppose. But the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland is, is the 
most notable example that I can think of. Um, but yeah, I learned how to do that technique and I took a Ghostbusters picture um, with Slimer. So Slimer is transparent and um, next to a solid Ghostbuster. And it was, yeah, it was it was a really cool thing that I learned. Uh, it's still maybe one of my favourite. It's not the best photo, but for the to learn the new skill was really interesting. And um, it's one that really stood out to me as, as a photo. So it's kind of cool that um, you bring it up because that Ghostbusters one's kind of a neat, a neat shot. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, toy toy photography, it's a thing that people do. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, what I what I what I think is cool about it is because like people are just like, oh, you take pictures of your toys and you think it's like, here's my toy, click, here's a picture. Mm. But no, what you do is you create scenes and like actions, you know, within these figures and you put them in that scene and it's almost like they're moving within it, you know. Mm. Or sometimes you, I've seen ones where you do it where it looks like it's panels of like a comic book and you're yeah. like laying out like a comic book panel you know and I, I think it, I think it's actually pretty cool like yeah it's dorky whatever people call me a dork too because of my collectibles but you know I get it oh I very, I very much enjoy those monikers so uh, um, it's, it's interesting that I've noticed I've, I've done some photos that I think look quite realistic like if, if you didn't know you might not recognize them as a toy and I've noticed that those ones do really poorly on Instagram I think there's a point where if you make it too realistic, people don't realize it's a toy as they're flicking through their thing. They just think it's like a screenshot from a movie or something. And um, which is really cool. Like it's cool where people are like, wow, that's a toy shot. You've, you've done something impressive. But I've noticed that they underperform on Instagram every single time. Um, <laughs> you almost need it to look a little, it needs to retain its toyness or you kind of, you lose the, the audience a little bit. I think. Yeah, because people are just like, oh, it's just a picture, whatever. Where, yeah. you know, if they can see it's a toy, but it's a toy moving that yes. you're like oh it's cool yes definitely that's awesome yeah. yeah um i don't know any other comments or anything about these movies um oh ju just on that if people want to look at my toy photography uh bc talk on instagram is is the place to go uh just like the religious rock band but bc instead <laughs> um but in terms of um i don't know i feel like we've covered a lot we did, yeah. But also not really covering it. Like, we've talked a lot around Ghostbusters, and I, I felt like maybe we didn't talk about the specifics of Ghostbusters 1 all that much because my love of Ghostbusters 2 just kept drawing us away. But, um, but no, I think what sticks with me is that they hold up really well. Like, there are certainly character things and motivations and things that maybe are a little off in the world that we live in now. Um, but in terms of effects, the way that the movie looks, um, I think it really holds up quite well. I think those practical effects, there's some blue screen things that look a bit phony. There's sometimes some stop motion that does. But overall, it never takes you out of the film. It never it never breaks the, like I said, the suspension of disbelief. It's always there. I, I can believe that. And because the ghosts are that little bit exaggerated and that little bit their own thing when they don't look hundred percent real, it doesn't really matter because they don't need to look hundred percent real. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that's the thing I took away from it. That They do hold up, I think pretty, pretty well as, as films um, remembering that they are a product of their time in terms of some of the attitudes and, and those kinds of things. Is a necessity. Yeah. For you to like, <laughs> just get over it. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. Like one of the things that I 
enjoyed about the ghosts in the movie particularly which i've complained about about the the new ghost like the the most recent ghostbusters movies is even though the ghosts are still kind of cartoony they they still look like they're in the world whereas in the new movie because of how they're designed and how they're done they look separate you know like they they look like they look like computer generated something in a space that's just what they look they, like and they uh, never they never feel physical like they do in the because in, in in ghostbusters they they're not even that consistent like in the original movies there's that one guy who looks like a zombie i think he's a taxi driver the, um yeah. in the first one he just looks like a zombie like he doesn't even look like a ghostbuster but for whatever reason he totally works like he still fits in with all of those other ones and I think he's also part of one of those ghost montages where we see them catching ghosts kind of around the place. Um, but yeah, the ghosts all look completely different. Like that ghost jogger just looks like a man that's transparent, yeah. whereas Slimer doesn't look anything like that. So, mm. But they all feel cohesive. I don't know what it is or how they did it, but they feel cohesive. Yeah. Yeah, I think how they're done, like like what you're saying is like they, they have like weight in the world, you know, like they, yeah. they feel like they're part of something even though each one is completely different than the other and like and the thing is too is like the first ghost you ghost you meet is the the librarian which is so completely different looking than slimer which is the second ghost you meet which it just looks like like comical like it's just a giant green blob you know yeah yeah Uh, well at that library ghost i i touched on the fact that um my grandma was very scared of that scene as, as a kid. Uh, I mean, as an older lady who looked after me as a kid. And um, But that scene is really, really good. Like, the tension that it builds is really good. The um, When she's... The lady is walking through the... Through the... The, li- the sort of downstairs part of the library and the cards start to go across and the book stays place and um, just really nice. Like And, like, it's... I wouldn't call it a horror movie, but they they hit those horror tropes really well when they need to, and um, they do it really really well in that scene. I think and it feels really good. It also reminds me of um, we've been talking about Peter as a bit of a creep when he's interviewing that lady after before they go downstairs, and he and he's asking her about mental health issues and things, and then he asks her if she's menstruating, and um, it's just so inappropriate, <laughs> but. Yeah. I, I love that the other librarian looks at him like shocked, like what? Yeah, That's what? what? You know? yeah. And he's like, I'm just being thorough. I'm like, are you though? Or are you just being gross? Like which, which one really is it? Thank you. Yeah. And also the fact that he thinks menstruating has to do with seeing ghosts is also kind of like a scary concept. Yeah. It's, you know? it's although as a bit of a ghost nerd, there is this kind of, I guess, theory um, that some people subscribe to that, that so you, you know, poltergeists, so like ghosts mm. that just like things around, that that is often tied in, and I'm not saying I believe this, but that is often time tied in with um, uh, where girls are becoming women and they're getting their period for the first time, and sexual energy and all of those things uh, <laughs> is, is tied in with this. This poltergeist, if you look at poltergeists, you it's impossible to not come across this stuff. Um, it's weird, and I think, like you, it's strange that that's the the maybe um, 
conclusion that these researchers have come to, but but certainly there is there is a lot of that um, tied in with poltergeist stuff. So I maybe, never realized that. Yeah, so maybe that it, like maybe this is some of our Dan Aykroyd actually writing stuff that that kind of fits in with the with the the theories of the of the day. Um, hmm. And it's also this is before Peter's seen the ghost, and so he, I guess, doesn't believe in ghosts at this point. So it seems an odd question to ask, but um, yeah. yeah. Well, no, but the thing is, now that you've said that, and we know Dan Aykroyd is actually very much into this, that is a tidbit he would know, or yes. him and him and Venkman at least would, um, not Venkman, um, Egon would know. Um, so it would be a question on a list they'd hand to Vekman and be like, ask her questions. And they are, they are talking about books moving and cards moving. Like it is poltergeist activity. Like maybe I'm going to give my man Peter a little bit of a pass on this one. And like that he wasn't being a hundred percent a creep. I think he was certainly being provocative in the way that he asked the question, mm-hmm. but that actually maybe he was using some ghost theory of the day. Um, <laughs> okay. With that one. Okay, so he gets a pass on that one. Okay, fine, whatever. Well, we don't Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we have to hopefully get you back sometime uh, to come back on and uh, do this again for something awesome. Yeah, after maybe one time. Uh, I could make you watch some Australian films and we could, we could talk about those. Uh, I'm down. Like I've actually mainly watched like Australian horror films. Um, So maybe watching a non horror film would be awesome. I've got two classic Australian movies in mind that kind of, as we've been talking, I was like, Oh, that'd be a cool thing to do. Um, (laughs) One of them, we'll keep it. We'll hold on to it. But yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about doing this. It might be, uh, off of my shelf for this this one, but uh, yeah, I think it, I think it could be really fun. Okay, yeah, I could do a special episode for that. Why not? I, I throw them in every once in a while. Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's it for this episode of Off My Shelf. Until next time, you can follow along on Instagram and Twitter at Oh My Shelf, or you can send an email to ohmyshelf at gmail.com. On the next episode, we're doing something special. It's another Twitch takeover. Erica will be back, allowing me to take over her channel to talk about Gladiator and Go. We are doing the recording on April 1st at 6.30 p.m. So follow Erica on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at Erica in Glasses. That's E-R-I-K-A-I-N-G-L-A-S-S-E-S. I will also put all of these links on the website so it's easy for you to find her. So make sure to drop by as we chat about the movies, answer questions, and interact with the viewers. Hope you'll be here to listen.